Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Thursday Night at the Speakeasy Cafe. We would like to invite you to take the stage for the Sound of Ink Open Mic Poetry Night. Now, let's get started. I want your ink in our ears. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Speakeasy Cafe Open Mic Poetry Show. I'm very, 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 very excited to be here tonight with you guys want to give the number out real quick in case you're wanting to call in and read in a little bit. It is 646-595-3965. That's 646-595-3965. Right? And uh, a couple announcements before we get going here. And You know, I, was, I always talk about the weird places that inspiration comes from. And I kind of want to share a story with you guys real quick. But I was sitting out in my backyard and it was like that last half hour of the day. And all the giant oak trees were just carnelian. It was so beautiful. And it was one of those moments where you thought, I want to stop and remember this. And so you just you pay attention to every detail, you know, every way the leaf moves in the wind, the way that, you know, just to imprint that moment on your brain so that someday you can go back to it. I was thinking about what happens after we're gone, you know, and I was thinking about my kids, and I thought, you know, what, this is where, you know, during during that moment, I was thinking, this is where my kids will find me. And I started thinking about, you know, if I were to write a poem to people that they would read after I was gone, where would I tell them to find me? And so I was thinking about, you know, one of the lines being something like, um, you know, look for my face in the in the forest, uh, in the bark, during the amber glow, in that hour of the long shadow, something like that, you know, so that, you know, in that moment, you know, when you stand there in front of, you know, you, you see the sun slipping sideways between the trees and everything is just on fire with amber, that, you know, if you go there, you'll find me. I'll be there. You know, giving them something solid that they could, that as they encounter those things in their lives. So, you know, after they am reading that, they would never be able to see that and not think about what I said, and I would be with them type of thing. So it was really, I mean, it was it got kind of dark, <laughs> you know, and, and but not really. You know, I just thought, you know, what what could I do? What is important to really leave them with? You know, how do I keep that connection with them? And so it was really kind of a beautiful thought, too. So that's a piece that I'm going to be working on here for a while. And uh, But I thought it was kind of weird the way, you know, something will trigger, where that muse comes from. You know, if you if you stop, if you don't hurry through the day and keep your brain on overload, if you stop and take those moments, you'll learn things. You'll find things um, if you listen to yourself. Uh, it's important. Anyway, okay, yeah, I'm done there. <laughs> All right, my announcements. <laughs> my announcements. If you have not checked out our worldwide poetry project yet, Rock That Poem, please do so by going to our Facebook group, which is facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash rock that poem. 
It's as easy as rock, paper, scissors, throwing a little bit of glue, and put poetry out there in the hands of the world. So make sure you check out what we're doing over there. The next thing is if you're interested in putting on a workshop with us, and remember you don't have to be a professional workshop provider in order to do this. It's just a time for us to spend a little bit more intimate time together uh, than we're afforded to here, uh, talking about the things that we love, which is writing, poetry, being creative people. Um, you can do one on, you know, you can actually do a step-by-step workshop where at the end we have a completed poem or you can talk about a form of poetry, a genre, an era, a poem, a poet itself, uh, whatever it is that you want to talk about. You can do anywhere from a 30-minute up to a three-hour show, depending on how much time you need, and they can be either pre-recorded or done live if you want audience participation, all right, or... They can be a combination of both. So if you're interested in putting together a workshop, let me know. You can contact me. Probably send me a message on Facebook. If you're not on my contacts list, you'll find me under Nyla, N-Y-L-A dot Alicia, A-L-I-S-I-A. All right. Let me know what you want to do, and we'll get that set up. Next, I want to make sure that we thank our sponsors. Uh, I want to thank them for helping us with our licensing, on-air license, keeping us at a three-hour show this year. Uh, appreciate you guys, Star Sevron, James One Sapien, and Roy Murdoch. Um, just thanks a lot on behalf of all of us for uh, taking care of that for us this year. Now, one thing that I do at the beginning of every show, so if you ever get stumped and think, oh, I don't have anything to write about, just pop on any of our archived shows and listen to the first bit of the show and you'll get a writing prompt and a writing exercise and boom, you're off and running. So I want to do our writing prompt first. Uh, The prompt is different than an exercise. A prompt is designed to actually have you create a poem. Okay, so the prompt can be either the title, it can be a line in the piece, or it can just be the general concept of the piece, or where that the inspiration from the prompt made your brain go that produced the poem. So you can know, interpret it however you want. It's just a seed I'm planting, and we'll see what kind of poem it goes into. But the prompt this week is keep out. Okay, keep out. Whatever twist you want to put on that. So that is our prompt. Now the exercise, the exercise is going to be kind of fun, I think. I really love, one of the things that I love about poetry, especially, I mean, we've been on the show for almost 12 years now, you know, and every single week that we've been here and sharing poems with each other and all the reading that we do and all the writing that we do and all this stuff, one of the things that I really enjoy when I hear a poem is something that surprises me. You know, that just that makes my brain stop and say, wait a minute, how was that put together? And so I try to, to work on things that help build um, on that, being able to build on that on ourselves as writers. That's one of the things I really try to push and point out in our writing is those strong, concrete, vivid images. All right. So the exercise this week, and you'll want to get a piece of paper and pencil. All righty. And uh, if you don't have that, again, you can come back and listen to the archives after the show's over and get it written down then. All right. But this 
exercises in like almost three parts, I think. So I want you to, oh, this is going to freeze on me. Why did it do that? Hang on. My screen totally froze on me. I had this all written out. All right, we'll see if we can get through it without my without my whatever this is doing. Okay, wait a second. I think I can grab it. Because you don't want me to get lost. Trust me, it's better to take this moment now and find what I wrote than to trust me to do it from memory because I go off on tangents. Okay. So the exercise. All right. So you need to, you need to get a couple pieces of paper. All right. And on the first paper, I want you to write down colors, but leave some space in between them. So like write red and leave three or four lines, and then blue three or four lines. And so you've got space to write underneath those colors. Okay. You need that space. So kind of separated. And if you need to take a couple pieces of paper to do that, that's fine. If you use a whole notebook, then, wow, I want to see your notebook. It doesn't matter. But just write down all the colors you can think of on one piece of paper, okay? And then for each color, I want you to write down words you associate with that color. So blue would be like water, sky, bird, bruise, plum, crayon, Visa card, agate, faded jeans. Think of all the things that you, all the words you could use to associate with the color blue. Okay. Then next, on a new piece of paper, I want you to just randomly write down ten words, leaving space between them again. All right. So a list of ten words. And then under each word, I want you to write all the colors you associate with that word, such as the word sky. I would put down like um, white, blue, black, gray. Okay. So then under each word, I want you to write a descriptive sentence using the image ideas you wrote for each color. Okay. So, for example, sky. Um it's kind of it was kind of the mental process I went through when I was working on a piece of mine called Displaced where I was talking about how badly I missed the how badly I missed living in Wyoming and the open prairie and the warm wind and sweet grass and all of that and I was I was writing this poem and I was trying to think of a how I would describe um, I I had my eyes closed and I was thinking how am I going to describe what a Wyoming sky looks like so that people know what the Wyoming sky looks like. How could I make it real? You know, and I was, I had my eyes closed and I was picturing it in my head, you know, and it made me think about, you know, super faded, worn out uh, blue jeans, um, you know, bleached out, you know, to where there was hardly any, it was just hardly any color left. And so there was the line in the poem that I wrote uh, that that talked about what the the sky was. Um, as I the line goes, summer wishes sky barely blue, more bleached than bones. Okay, so that's out of the out of that mental process. All the things I could associate with 
how I could make that real for you, those were the words I chose. You know, barely blue, more bleached than bones, because instantly you go, using the word bleached makes you think of barely blue, which is the faded blue gene, and more bleached than bones, and, and knowing it's the Wyoming sky and how white that is. You know, I, that was the way I used to describe what I thought the sky looked like. Okay. So when you do this, when, and it's a fun exercise to just change the words around. You know, you once you get everything written down for your colors, all you have to do is write a new list of ten words, and you get to play all over again. So it's really cool. So when you write down your colors, make sure you save that. That's a resource, okay? <laughs> um, but it'll just help you look and, and, I think, look at things descriptively in a, in a different way um, that will help create fresh and surprising and, and new imagery in in our writing. So that's kind of what the uh, that's that's what I want to do. And, and please do this one. This one's a lot of fun. You'll love it. You'll have a really good time with that. So that is our exercise, you guys. And remember, if you didn't catch all that, if you're just tuning in, you can um, go back to the beginning of the archive, beginning of the show, and re-listen to it. And you can do that for any any of the past shows weeks you can go back and find prompts and exercises on there all right so guys we are now going to play an audio recording if you are a recording poet and you would like to send me the mp3 uh, file to one of your spoken word tracks you can do so you can email it to me the word that is in the email title the speakeasy cafe at gmail.com that's the speakeasy cafe at gmail.com all right and make sure you put MP3 audio file, something like that, in the subject line for me. We'll get that uploaded to the show's library and play it for the world. It'll be so awesome. And if you've not tried recording yet, I really, really suggest you do. You will love it. All right. So the one I'm going to play tonight is by Javon Johnson, and it's called Kezzy's Black. So here we go. We'll be right back, folks. So I'm driving down the street with my four-year-old nephew. He knocking back a juice box, me a Snapple. Today, y'all, we are doing manly shit. (laughs) I love watching the way his mind works. He asks a million questions. Uncle, why is the sky blue? Uncle, how do cars go? Uncle, why don't dogs talk? Uncle, uncle, uncle. He asks uncle, uncle, uncle. He asks uncle, 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 as if his voice box is a warped record. I try my best to answer every question I do. I say it's because the way the sun lights up the outer space is because engines make the wheels go. It's because their minds aren't quite like ours. I say yes, no, no, yes, no, yes, no. I don't know. Who knows? Maybe we laugh. <laughs> he smiles, looks out the window, spots the cop car, drops his seat and says, Oh man, Uncle, 5 we gotta hide. I'll be honest. I'm not happy with the way we raise our black boys. Don't like the fact that he learned to hide from the cops well before he knew how to read. Angrier that his survival depends more on his ability to deal with authorities than it does his own literacy. Get up, I yell at him. In this car, in this family, we are not afraid of the law. I wonder if he can hear the uncertainty in my voice. Is today the day he learns that uncle is willing to lie to him? 
that I'm more human than I am hero. We both know the truth is far more complex than do not hide. Both know too many black boys who disappeared, names lost, know too many Trayvon Martins, Oscar Grants, and Abner Louimas, know too many Sean Bells and Amadou Diallos, know too well that we are the hard-boiled sons of Emmett Till still. We both know it's not about whether or not the shooter is racist. It's about how poor black boys are treated as problems well before we're treated as people. Black boys in this country cannot afford to play cops and robbers if we're always considered the latter. Don't have the luxuries of playing war if we're already in one. Where I'm from, seeing cop cars drive down the street feels a lot like low-flying planes in New York City. Where I'm from, routine traffic stops are more like minefields. Any wrong move could very well mean your life. And how do I look my nephew in his apple face and tell him to be strong when we both know black boys who are murdered every day simply for standing up for themselves? I take him by the hand. I say be strong. I tell him, I say be smart. Be kind and polite. Know your laws. Be aware of how quickly your hand moves to pocket for wallet or ID. Be more aware of how quickly an officer's hand moves the holster for gun. Be black. Be a boy. Have fun. Because this world will force you to become a man far more quickly than you'll ever have to need to. He lets go of my hand, but uncle, he asks. Uncle, what happens if the cop is really mean? And it scares me to know that he, like so many other black boys, is getting ready for a war I can't prepare him for. That was Javon Johnson. That was Javon Johnson. And uh, just an absolute incredible incredible piece it's really kind of a chilling piece for me because i remember you know he's he's talking to his nephew you know he's talking to you know uh, the future generation and you know talking about you know you have to know what it's like to be black right now in this time and i remember sitting and talking to um Buck O'Neill, and I don't know if you know who that is or not, but he was the first black uh, baseball scout um, and the first black first baseman, I believe it was, in baseball. And I remember sitting and talking to him, and he was telling me a story about, you know, they knew what they were facing and what they were up against and, you know, how critical a pivotal turn in history they knew they were standing in and how they had to be so hyper aware you know the responsibility of that even um, and the terror of that and the danger of that and I remember him talking in the exact same way that Javon talks to his nephew that's the way Buck O'Neill was telling me about his generation and the fight you know, and it just it just makes me think about how humanity is and how things always get pushed forward, you know, but somehow it's always the same fight. I don't know. That just may seem kind of silly, but I really like that piece because, you know, it, it makes me think of him, of Buck O'Neill, and, and, you know, just all the struggles through history. Okay, so anyway, yeah, there we go. That was Javon Johnson with Cuz He's Black. You can find that over on YouTube. And uh, he's just a great poet, so make sure that you look him up. All right. So 
it is now time to get to the callers. <laughs> the number to call in if you'd like to call in and read tonight is 646-595-3965. That's 646-595-3965. All righty. And remember that we do take callers in the order that you call in. So uh, area codes such as area code 731 is our first caller tonight. Listen for your telephone area code. When I bring you on, please make sure you introduce yourself. Say, hi, this is fill-in-the-blank. Uh, you always want to make sure that people know who's reading, and you always want to have your name attached to your work. Okay, so that's really important to introduce yourself and uh, let people know who you are. All righty. Then right now you can... Uh, Right now you can read two poems to start out with. I'm kind of looking to see how full the phone lines are. Uh, you can read two poems to start out with. Uh, please keep it right around the five-minute mark and uh, be courteous to the people waiting in line behind you, uh, and that would be cool. If at any point uh, the lines start to get too full, and uh, I may need to change that back to just one, but till then you can read two. So I think right now we're good to go. When you are finished reading, please make sure you give everyone your URL. That way they know how to come find you and show you some love. And then lastly and, and most importantly, remember we are a mature-rated show. All right, so that means you're bound to hear just about anything, with the exception of hardcore erotica and adult poetry, no bumping body parts, no tab A into slot B. And uh, other than that, you're good to go. All righty. So what I want to do is give our first, I'm going to go ahead and give our first uh, first three callers so you kind of know how soon you're coming up. Before we do that, I want to let 734-540 and 832 know that you are not in the lineup. If you'd like to read and come on the air, please press 1, and it'll put you on the, and then I can know when to bring you on or not. So 540-832. If either of you would like to come on live, just press 1. If you're here just listening, welcome. Glad you're here. And if you change your mind at any time or would like to come on, then just go ahead and press 1 then. All righty? So our first three callers tonight come from area code 731, 989, and 903. All righty? So area code 731, are you with me? Hi, this is Michael Fried calling from West Tennessee. Why am I so often first? Because you're just you're like the wind, dude. I start calling at like three o'clock in the afternoon. Just every once in a while, I just bring it up so it's on my mind, so I can't forget it. So there. you know, it's really funny. I was just thinking about when you said, you know, and you said, I said because you're like the wind, and then I'm thinking, okay, what colors would I put? How would I describe that? So you're like the crystal. Uh, how did I? How did I think that? You are the. The crystallized ash-filled ash, ash winds or something like that. So you have, mm-hmm. like, the fire on the ice there. Okay. Anyway, go ahead. So, uh, but that's you. That's you. It's one of those days I actually called in while I was driving home. And uh, and I'm here now. And uh, it was lightning all around me. Now that I'm in the house, I just opened up the blinds in my room, and it's pitch black outside, and it was bright as day when I walked in. So let it rain. Let it rain. <laughs> I would love to see that. If it goes dark, you didn't give me time to find it. I better get a flashlight, just in case. I have a little (laughs) orange flashlight here. Speaking of orange, 
What's the flashlight for in case we lose connection? I can read the rest of the poem for you in Morse code. Just uh, lights go out. That picture <laughs> you posted on your poetry prompt on your Facebook page of uh-huh. the girl in the other room and the crow yeah. hiding on the wall. That girl had like the most incredible hair it's ever been, and everyone noticed. Everyone noticed. So there. I'll get a lot of action on that. Anyway. I kind of like this flashlight thing. I could use it as a pointer while I read. I think I will. We're going to start a new friend here, folks. All right. I'm rambling too much. Let's get into Let's get into the reading of a poem. This is a poem. Uh, so it's a sonnet, okay? You know, occasionally I fall prey. I fall victim to the, the call of the sonnet. And so here I've, I've done this. And this is called... Uh, Distant Bell Tower for Anne. Roadside flowers all taken for granted. Unnoticed east to west, hands on a wheel. Fronting rolls of hay, randomly planted. Shadows cast, outflank the colors appeal. Melodies cascade from a distant shore. Passing through, beckoning my heart to steal. Bring my heritage on wings to my door. How to discern what is whimsy or real. I might have had a friend that fade aloud. We had one shared friend between in common. I could better have served both had I bowed. I'd gladly have settled for a portion. Like the sound from a distant bell tower, she passed me by like a roadside flower. Wow. That was such a pull to the heart. Such a sadness, a sweet sadness in that piece. And that's all I'm going to say. It's as sad as Because you said that's all I could say. Well, I'll tell you what, there's a part of it. You were talking earlier about uh, uh, the last half hour of your day. Mm-hmm. You're looking at the oak trees, and a part of this poem is about the biggest oak tree ever, an oak tree that when it died, that the town made a big ship out of it and built all kinds of other things with it. So, yeah, there's a, there's a song called Bonnie, Bonnie Portmore by Lorena McKinnett, if you've ever heard that song. Folks, it's about an oak tree, just in case you didn't know. So there. I'm going to have to listen. All right. <laughs> well, there you have it. I like the way you always say, so there, because it's like you walk up and, you know, usually someone will walk up and slap a little kid's hand and say, so there, don't touch that. But you're you're like someone who walks up and hands them this great big giant M and M filled cookie and says, "So there." It's like, wait, wait, what do you mean? What do you mean? So there, you just handed me this amazing thing, and it's just always. I've always thought it was so cute the way you said that. It's like, give me give me that M and M cookie and say, "So there." <laughs> I got M and M. I got M and M right in front of me here, you know. Do you really? I swear to goodness, I do. I have a poppy seed muffin and a a Sprite Zero in front of me this week. I'll trade you. 
I've got unsweet tea and and the I have I have one of those baby Snickers bar and that's it. That's all I can do for like a week. Oh, <laughs> I love that you drink unsweet tea. You know, the very first time I was in the South, I was in South Carolina and we stopped at this barbecue pig place and there was a whole bunch of us in the group traveling together and I ordered iced tea and they started bringing our food out and I took a drink of my iced tea and immediately spit it out all over the table like a freaking field sprinkler because it was like suddenly I just put a whole mouthful of Aunt Jemima syrup in my mouth. It was so sweet. And everyone just stops. It's that, it's that moment when everyone just stops and stares at you, and you're just going, oops. <laughs> it was horrible. <laughs> but but that, then they had to, like, start replacing everyone's food. It was horrible. But that was, that was my first drink of, of southern sweet tea. So I love that you are in the south and don't drink sweet tea. <laughs> well, typically in a restaurant, if they bring you unsweet tea, there's a teaspoon in, in the glass. There's no there's no teaspoon, you better watch out. <laughs> yeah. All right. All right, Michael. All right. Great read tonight, Good. baby. Thank you. Uh if anybody wants to go that that's on my, my my blog spot page if anybody wants to bear witness. And that that is uh at Mike Todd dot blogspot dot com and Mike Todd is M Y K E T O D D. Mike Todd dot blogspot dot com. People say, "Why do you spell your name M Y?" Because I was DJ Mike in the Boombox on MySpace, so there's a lot of M Y M Y there. Yep. And you know, more and more every day, we're learning to miss MySpace. What an innocent time that was, and what a I remember it well. Nothing I, ever I, it's like it's like you know playing Final Fantasy fourteen, you know, and then you play you know Final Fantasy eleven, then Final Fantasy fourteen. You know, if you played eleven, fourteen yeah. is good. But it'll never be eleven, and you never forget the magic of eleven. I so just geeked mm. myself out, didn't I? Uh, that's perfectly fine. You know, we <laughs> we were bound to determine that those bastards wouldn't make us grow up, but they did. <laughs> Yeah. All right. Mm-hmm. Michael, thank you so much. Fantastic read. You guys go find Michael Todd or Mike Todd with a Y on Blogspot. Thanks, honey. Have a great evening. Bye-bye. <laughs> Bye. All right. Our next caller comes from area code 989. Ninety-nine. Are you with me? I sure am. This is George Wiley. Hey, George. How are you, honey? Hey, I'm great. I got to tell you that uh, I live in the Detroit area, and uh, yesterday my wife and I went uh, down to see the Aretha. Frank, Aretha Franklin was, you know, there was this visitation, a, a huge museum, African American museum in uh, Detroit. And uh, people were lined up for blocks for three days in a row to, to pass by her coffin. And, of course, it was really cool. It was a, it, even though it was sad that, you know, that Aretha had passed. And uh, I had uh, always loved her music and especially her voice. And uh, my wife, too. So we went in, came in there, and uh, 
everybody was in sort of a welcoming, smiling, happy world outside. Um, they had Aretha's more upbeat songs playing on these giant speakers. It was so it, it wandered around these. It's in, it's in a museum district in the of of Detroit. So you know that what the the line wound around, but it was moving so quickly. They had it so well organized that we only spent a total of half an hour from when we got in the line three blocks from the building. The one we finished and went toward our car um, it was only half an hour. Just amazing. But anyway, um, it was it was you know inside. Um, it was of course obviously more solemn, and uh, she was so sort of elegant laying there. And uh, they had in there they had more muted speakers. They had uh, her some of her gospel playing, which of course was to some fans that was her biggest forte. You know. Was, anyway, I must say it was an enriching. And I, you know, one more thing to like about Detroit, and I just. Uh, um, was in, you know really glad that we went. So enough of that. You know what a fingerprint that is to leave behind. You know you said it's too bad it happened after she died, but as soon as you said yeah. that, I thought, no, what an amazing thing to have happen after you die. What an artistic fingerprint must she have had to create an emotional response like that. What a fingerprint that is to leave behind as an artist. You know, I think that we all kind of, inside of ourselves, especially artists, I think that we really, really want that. You know, we we have something to say so profoundly that it compels us to sit there and, and dance with words and wrestle and struggle and fight and and give over to and submit to, you know, this this pull our craft has on us, you know, and, and we do it because whatever it is that's inside of us, we have to say is that profound that we have to write it down. Right. You know, and I think that part of us really strives to be, to, to have that linger, to write something that has that linger, that, that leaves a part of us there. You know, it, it roots us right. into history, into, you know, I, I think, I'm just thinking, wow, what an amazing fingerprint to leave behind. Oh, I tell you, the legacy is so strong, especially here, but, you know, across the music world. And um, and then not to mention that, of course, she was, um, Arisa um, had songs about, you know, women, Obviously, women's rights and independence of women, as well as civil rights. But anyway, um, that was that was just rewarding, and I'm awfully glad that we went. Mike Todd uh, started with a uh, sonnet, and I'm going to start with a sonnet. I have two sonnets, quite sure, of course. And I guess I'll jump right into it. Now it's called. Um, this is sort of in the Shakespearean sort of way. Um, sonnet for a dear one. Come dawn, thy face appears again, exactly as I saw thy last. Across the pillow tops remain, the same eyes no one has surpassed. Beneath the willows we did meet, and touched our tender skins of love. You gathered roses at your feet, we set our sails to skies above. With hearts conjoined and fates aligned, we chose to mingle our heartbeats. Not darkened rain nor storms of kind, 
might quell the fever thy presence heats. And in it, and as the evening shine doth you in golden soft repose, I stow the windmills of my search, windsails of my search, except what our hearts chose. In the poem. I love that. You know, and in that you had, you always talk about word choices and, you know, how how do we put words together that become solid when someone's listening to them? And I was thinking about when you talked about, um, t- when you said tender skins. Mm-hmm. And right. and it's like, you know, men don't like to be described as or perceived as tender. So mm-hmm. immediately you go to the, you know, 10, 11, 12-year-old boy. Instantly you're taken back to that time period of masculinity, if you want to put it that way. Mm-hmm. You know, and it, and it right. instantly puts that, that very tangible youth and innocence in that image. It was just, it was awesome. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you very much. I uh, don't always sit down and write things in, in a format. And I thought, well, I'll write this in this assignment. The second one is... Uh, is um, Just because you know sonnets more... mock me. I know there's going to be a night that everybody that calls in is going to be reading sonnets. I have but nightmares about that. It's like, you, oh, Nyla, I wrote a sonnet. You, Nyla, guess what I'm I reading? Think... Oh, yeah, I have a sonnet. <laughs> Well, you know, they, they, you know, they, I can see why they're popular because, uh, other than the fact that they're the most common thing, so some people probably think they're the most pedestrian, but they're not necessarily, obviously. The bard managed to take a career out of them. Anyway, okay, this this next one is, is historical. It's about the French Revolution. I hope I don't bury anybody um, with edit violence of the French Revolution. It's called Oué Charlotte Corday or the death of Marat. O times, O pain, O fear of tyranny, of laws and freedoms we thought inalienable. In France, they resented a monarch's selfishness. They grabbed him from his palace along with his Marie Antoinette and took their heads, how red the bloodlust of the mob. They called it reason, the romance of freedom, O joy, they followed the rebel Robespierre with trust and his spokesman, Marat. And oh, without due process, the heads began to fall. Great hungry crowds feasting round the guillotines in utopian ecstasy, as if, the, as if the street rivers of blood would bring them bread or cake. They betrayed friends, they slaughtered priests. And Jean-Paul Marat, Robespierre's hitman, floated along on the blood. He rose to power. The blade-dropping machines had his blessing, and the roads went red. Alas, aroused by the injustice, young farm girl Charlotte Corday gained entrance to his home, and as he bathed and with her knife, she gashed the life from Marat. What goes around comes around. C'est la justice. But the hungry rabbit public called him a martyr, she an evil assassin. More guillotines, more knife blade justice to the ministers, the kings, the officials. 
The schemers grew wilder in this frenzied allusion to freedom, however worked. And woe to the original goals, lost in favor of a new tyranny, almost worse than a bad king. And poor Charlotte Corday, a traitor then but hero to us now, lay headless beneath a guillotine. And a country in love with its future had slaughtered its past with blood, not words or votes, and replaced it with even more tyranny and a dismembered justice system. And alas, replaced a king with Napoleon the emperor. Ah, the times of hope do flee. Much later, sweet France obtained a republic after gaining more reason. But the 120,000 headless people didn't have it done for them. And Charlotte Corday is the almost forgotten martyr in her unappreciated yearn for justice. I tip my Chardonnay glass to poor Charlotte, repose on face jean and I wonder if some new Cordays will redden the bathwaters of tyrants. And a bolt. Sorry, I had to finish writing what I was writing or I'd forgotten it. That's <laughs> <laughs> all right. What, what did you say the title of that poem was? Well, it's, it's two parts. One is, is it's um, who is Charlotte Corday? In other words, uh, where is Charlotte Corday? Uh, or the death of Marat. So it's one of those two-part titles. I I am going to uh, erase both of those and give it a brand new title. Okay. Okay. You what have to trust that? me on this one. I have got my pen ready. All right, the title of that poem is Red. Oh, I okay. There is no more powerful word that would describe what is inside that poem besides the color red. And I don't know if you intentionally did it this way inside the poem or not, but I want mm-hmm. the reason I want you to see where I found this, okay? I want you to go back and, and when we're done here, and I want you to read through that poem by yourself. And, mm-hmm. you know, if you can highlight or bold or underline, I don't know how you write, but every single word that makes you think of the color red, all right? Even the word love, instantly you think of red. Dismembered, instantly mm-hmm. you think of a bloody stump. Headless. Mm-hmm. You know, that John the Baptist, uh, Chardonnay. Um, mm-hmm. They they were all things that were that instantly took you back to the red. You know, and you mm-hmm. even you you talked about you know the the red blood the ro- on the blood on the roads things like that. Right. Everything in that takes you to that strong, bold, raw red. That that title mm-hmm. needs to be. That poem needs to be titled Red. Well, that's a great idea. I definitely had red and and, and the, the connection to red and blood because the I, I you know I taught history and one of the um, one of the, the things that comes to my mind when I think of the French Revolution. I mean, I, you know, a lot of things. It's not all all bad, of course, but um, is that uh, is is the blood? They just thought they could answer injustice and selfishness and tyranny with blood and it didn't work and very well uh, that eventually it works you know but so <laughs> yes I think it's a great you, idea I think, I think it's a great idea to change I could change this to red 
when I, at the very beginning of the show, I don't know if you were listening, but the uh, exercise, exercise I gave out this week was yes. to use colors. Um, colors. You know, so I yes. guess it was in my mind when I was listening to that. But I seriously want you to go and write down every single descriptive word that makes mm-hmm. you think about red in that piece. Okay. You reference it so many times. That yeah, if they so. go, if you, they go in with the word that word in their head throughout the rest of the poem, it's going to hit them like a sledgehammer. Thanks. Each reference, well, right back, boom to that solid red. Great idea. <laughs> I'll do that. Just a suggestion. I get I get excited. Oh. I'm I'm easily excitable. Oh, I know like you do. Snoopy on the doghouse dancing. <laughs> well, I I when you gave those color prompts, I was thinking about this poem a little bit, although I didn't connect it like, quite like you did, but I appreciate it. You know, it's amazing the way our minds work. It's amazing the way we think as artists. So I think that in all of us, if we took his poem and and printed it out in front of us and used a highlighter and underlined every single word in that piece that made us think about red, okay, I think that we would all, you'd be really, really amazed if you went back and really saw what I was hearing in that piece. And so, you know, that wasn't intentionally done, but the creative brain writing it the way it, that, you know, I can, I can, you you can feel what you were seeing when you were writing by the way you wrote it, you know? Mm-hmm. And, Good. and you did that subconsciously. You didn't try to do that. That's just who you are, the way you write how you see things, how you try to show them to us. You know, it's just real mm-hmm. cool. And we all have things like that and in the way that we write. It's cool. I just, just wanted to tell you it was awesome. Well, thank you, Nyla, and I appreciate it. And I'm going to move on and let someone else um, talk about uh, blood. All right. Tell everyone how to find you, darling. Oh, yeah. Um page pages, uh, George Wiley writes, and then uh, just a few things on allpoetry.com, um, but not much, so new, so new. <laughs> okay, all right, sweetheart, if you want to read anything okay. more, just go ahead and uh, either drop out and push one again and jump back in and or uh, call back in, all right? Sure, thank you. Thank you, really great job tonight. Bye-bye, George. All right. Our next caller comes from area code 903. 903, you're on the air. Hello, this is Eric Nelson Manley Shellman. How are you doing, Nyla? I'm doing awesome, Eric. How are you, sweetheart? Uh, I've been sick all week, (laughs) and I missed three days of work already, so that's really fun. And I might be going back tomorrow. I don't know yet. It depends on how I feel. My boss told me that I need to, if I feel sick, don't come to work. So, but I did go to the doctor I, I, I and feel work. I found out. I feel, no, I feel sick. Yeah, I feel yeah right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But the doctor said I had a stomach virus mixed with the common cold and it's going around. So. But I'm feeling better than I did on Monday. So, oh, I am glad. I, uh, thank you. I got the poem I told you I was going to write. And I was going to read this this time. And it's for my friends. And uh, 
she told me to write a poem on on mental health and she suffers from lots of different mental health too and I have my own mental health problems and I think everybody does but whether they admit or not I guess it is what it is so I wanted to write this poem and basically like break the stigma so you ready Mm-hmm. please all right Oh, hang on. Sorry, I just lost my spot. Okay. All right. On mental health, psychologists, psychiatrists, me- medical, PhD doctors, even non-medical, non-psychology, nor non-psychiatry degrees, certain family members and their friends, certain cold, so-called friends, certain neighbors, haters, enemies, and everyone else in between all have his or her idea of what each psychosis and mental health diseases are, their diagnoses, and their cures. If there are any cures listed, or at least they claim to know about them, each one diagnosing everyone they meet with whatever or more mental illnesses he or she believes each person has due to their own evaluation and by judging the characteristics of each person each claiming that all mental illnesses are the same and if you have been diagnosed with one or more you're evil ugly stupid and wrong because of it even though most of the time it is hereditary and genetic and has usually been in your family for a whole lot of generations way before your time, each are, each one are so quick to judge you and everyone else by labeling you as weird, eccentric, taboo, crazy, insane, mindless, and even brainless. He or she meets because it is a coping mechanism to help them not have to deal with their own issues, whatever they may be, and so that he or she doesn't have to try and comprehend why there are people who differ from himself or herself, each one never realizing that your mental health diseases play a huge part in everything you do, whether you like it, and most of the time it's involuntarily and unconsciously uncomfortable, each one never realizing that they are hurting everyone else by categorizing him or her in whatever group they want to throw them in simply because they differ from them. Each one never realizing that everyone with mental health diseases are still functioning, living human beings and aren't stupid, dumb, evil, crazy, eccentric, or wrong for having these diseases because in most cases it's not even a choice. Each one never realizing that they shouldn't be categorized into groups and forgotten about but instead treated respectfully, each one never realizing that what exactly everyone with one or more of these diseases have to go through on a daily basis and how they have to learn to cope with it and hopefully never let it get out of control. Each one never realizing that they are hatefully judging these people by categorizing and labeling them, labeling him or her as whatever they see fit they see fits each person each one never realizing the negative effects that their diagnoses 
of each of everyone they meet actually have on each person. Each one never realizing that mental health diseases are more common than they think. Stop bullying everyone who has ever been diagnosed with one or more mental health diseases, whether they actually have them or not. Just imagine how they must feel. How they must how they must feel living with it every day and they didn't choose their diagnosed diseases, how they must cope with them or live a miserable life of suffering. Just because a person has been diagnosed with a mental health disease doesn't make them a bad person at all. And of course, we all have our flaws, whatever they may be. If anything at all, try to help uplift them with laughter and or do something nice for them. Show each person that someone still cares, loves, and wants to help them or her have a great life despite their diagnosis. That's in peace. Yeah, I think it's a real strong and powerful and very important message that you have in that piece. You know, and, and again, I really applaud the narrative style uh, that you write in. Um, you know, it, it's straight down the middle of the fence. It's it's awesome. You know, it, it kind of made me think, too, the piece that where, you know, like you take any of us, any one of us, and you set us down in front of a psychiatrist for five minutes, and they will put a label on you. I don't care who you are or how normal you may think you are, but you put us <laughs> down in front of one of them guys, and they they'll, it's it's like they have little... You know, toe tags pre-made. She gets box number 17 tag, you know. Uh, They'll have us labeled. You know, it doesn't matter who we are. And there's a poem I wrote one time about that because I have a girl that um, is schizophrenic. And she really struggles with it. And I told her, I said, you know, we need to find a way for you to live in peace with this because it's part of who you right. are. And I wrote the poem for her, uh, you know, thinking of her, where it, it said, uh, the, the line in it goes, don't lick the red off my rainbow, because if you right. do, you change every hue. So, you know, right. this is part of who I am. This is how I was made. You know, if you people believe in God, and those of you that believe in God, and say, you know, that God doesn't make any mistakes, then how could that person be a mistake? If God doesn't make right. a mistake, they must be perfect, right, no matter how they were made. So, you know, all the little things that make us, you know, how we're made just, you know, and, and then and then immediately as I thought about that, I thought, you know, so can't we all just get along? You play nice with me. I'll play nice with you. And if things go good, maybe we can mix our colors. And I'm thinking, no, that sounds like a completely different kind of poem, and we're not even going there. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, sometimes, sometimes the things that start growing in your brain should fizzle out way before they do. I think. <laughs> right. That's true. Well, I've actually talked to uh, psychologists and psychiatrists, and I've been diagnosed with several different things, and I got of prescribed. And I bet if you saw two medicine. more, five or six more labels. Of course, yeah. So that's why I added that at the beginning of my poem. Because everybody does it. It's not just the professional psychiatrist and psychologist. It's everybody. You know who? Just you know the, what people go to school to become psychiatrists? 
What's that? The sons and daughters of the pharmaceutical company's parents. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Think about that one for a minute, Dave. <laughs> yeah, I okay. agree with that. All right, Eric. Well, I did. Well, I did have a. I did have a small, short one. Uh, another short one, if well, I could read it. One? Okay. Oh, I need to call back. Yeah. Okay. I don't. I can't find my other one. Let's hang on a second. Just give me two seconds. I had it, but apparently it disappeared. Hang on. I'm looking here. <laughs> it's coming up. <laughs> well, Jeopardy. Is that Jeopardy? I I didn't know. <laughs> yeah, Jeopardy. Yeah, I used to watch it when I was a kid all the time. All right, here we go. This one's a, on a light, on a much lighter note. So it's a, I got two pictures, and of course I can't show. Unfortunately, it's on the radio. But there's a duck, and he's knocked over, and he's got his he's got his head back all the way back, and uh, and then there's a picture of a three ducks together. And there's two males, and it's a female duck. So, anyways, that goes with my poem. So, this is uh, auto-correct writing exercise. I don't know if you actually gave us this exercise or not, or I just came up with it. But, anyways, so it's it's just called, it's just a writing exercise. You ready? It's real short. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, once there lived a beautiful duck who was always ducking about literally, physically, and figuratively, who always waddled into dumber ducks than her. They would always ducking ask her dumb ducking questions, like, don't you love ducking about literally, figuratively, and physically? She would always, she would always ducking say, well, of course I do. Isn't it, isn't it damn ducking pleasurable? Don't you ducking think? They always replied with if you duck and love it so much, then duck and bend over and let us duck and duck you right now, she would always duck and say, No ducking way, you dumb ducking ducks. Ducking sex is sacred. Didn't you know ducking know that you ducking dumb ducking ducks? <laughs> they would duck and say, oh, Don't Sorry. be a ducking biatch. That's a right. Or don't be a, a duck. A, a ducking can't. She just slapped the the shot out of these ducks, these ducking ducks, and left them lying on the ducking ground like a ducking whore leaves their ducking ducker before satisfying him, but already taking his money. That's in peace. <laughs> I don't even know what to say. <laughs> <laughs> I've never started laughing in the middle of someone reading before. <laughs> well, it's meant to be a funny poem, so so now so now you have to take all the ducks and turn them into fucks, and then biatch is a bitch, and whore is mm-hmm. of course whore. So I know, but when you got it. reading it, there was such a flow that my brain's trying to keep up, and I'm thinking there's no way I could say that without biting my tongue. Because <laughs> you were, just, I mean, yeah. you got on a roll there. That was awesome. Yeah, thank you. I, I'm going to call in at the end of the show, and I'll read my next. It's uh, the autocorrect uh, questions. So it's just it's not a story though. <laughs> but I wanted to read that one, and I got a special one. For next week, and 
it's my first secular holiday poem that I've ever written. So it's about our holiday coming up on Monday, uh, Labor's Day. It's going to be, it's a hell. Uh, Isn't it's that like celebrating a, women giving it's birth? It's a praise song. Huh? Isn't that when we celebrate women giving birth? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you could say that. labor's day yeah that's yeah Yeah. you could take it that way it's more like (laughs) the labor's workers and the union but that's the way i took it so i know you're just joking just give me hell that's cool i am uh, i can't help it it's how i made don't lick the rain off red off my rainbow (laughs) that's right yeah that's right don't lick the rain off my red bow damn it (laughs) damn it (laughs) that's right no, that's cool. But I'll read that next week. Uh, <coughs> but I haven't even posted that one on Facebook yet. So a few people read it. So, but I'll uh, go ahead and say say where people can find me and let you go. Okay. This is uh, Eric Nelson Manley Showman. You can find me on Facebook, Eric Nelson Manley Showman. You can find me on Facebook like page. Poet Eric Nelson Manley Shellman. You can find me on YouTube, Eric Nelson Manley Shellman. You can find me on Poem Hunter. That's Eric Nelson Manley Shellman. That's pretty much it right now. Well, I'm glad you liked my poem, and I'm glad I made you laugh. So that was the purpose of the second one. I, I it was. I, I mean, it's the title that made it. When you when when you think about. You know, you're looking at a picture of ducks, <coughs> but the title of it's mm-hmm. autocorrect, and you real and you really quickly figure out what the pl- word play is there. It makes it hysterical. <laughs> yeah. You know, That's because right. it's, you're not saying anything bad, but if you were saying something bad, it was bad. <laughs> That's right. Just, I was saying like, something okay, bad. I'll correct my document. <laughs> I'm, and then I'm thinking, I'm really pissed off at my boss, right? And I'm writing him this horrible letter, and something autocorrects, and I end up sending that to my boss telling him off. You ducking ducker, you know? And him looking at yeah. <laughs> Why didn't we get rid of her years ago? <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> Right, hell yeah. <laughs> All right, Eric. Yeah. Great job tonight. Thank you, sweetheart. Oh, you're welcome, and thanks so much for everything you guys do with the platform and all that. I'm gonna eat. I'm gonna eat some dinner, but I'm gonna stick stick around, and I'll be at the end of the show. Awesome. And I'll go ahead Thank and take you. myself out of the out of the queue and come back in. You're welcome. Okay, all right. Talk to you in a little while. All right, Ethan. Thank you. That's so funny. You know, I'm sitting, it's really, really funny because I'm sitting there and uh, he's reading and it just, it just, you know, as he really got going, it just struck me funny and I could not help but start laughing, right? But at, right at the same time, I'm sitting there and I don't know if you guys, if you guys, any of you guys like incense, but a girl from Ryan gave me as a housewarming present those kinds that look like they're just this long rectangle stick, and she and, and I loved them. It's like one of the only incense that's never really given me a headache besides sweetgrass. 
And so when I was in Colorado, I went in, was down in Manitou Springs and was walking around and went in a gift shop and found some. I was so excited. So I bought them, right? And I've got it sitting here on my desk. And as cliche as it may sound, guys, I love to light this incense and listen, and smell this incense and relax and listen to you guys read poetry to me. Oh, I'm such a beatnik. Um, so I'm sitting there and I'm lighting this, right? So my lighter's going like this. And I'm catching the stick on fire. And as soon as it catches on fire, you let it burn for a minute so it can get going as a, a like a charcoal thingy, and then you blow it out. And then I started, I did that, and then I started laughing. I think, oh, my God, they are so going to think I'm sitting here lighting up a bowl if they heard that lighter and everything. I said, if I wasn't quiet when I did that, <laughs> and then I start giggling, it's like, yeah, they're going to they're gonna think I'm sitting here lighting up a bowl or whatever it's called. Uh, but no, that was incense. So the, it just made it really the whole. And then as soon as that thought came to my head, it made me start laughing harder. So, Eric, your poem was awesome. I'm sorry I laughed so hard. And then it just got funnier to me inside my head. But that was a lot of fun to hear. All right. So I'm going to go ahead and give our next three callers so you know where you are. We have 219 coming up next, then 256, and then we have 734. All righty. So let's go ahead and grab 219. 219, you're on the air. Really 219, are you there? I'm getting feedback yes, really bad on you, Brother O. That does. Are you there? Hello? I can hear you now. Hello, now that this is Brother O. I nice knew girl. that. <laughs> How you doing, sweetie? <laughs> I'm doing I'm doing okay. How you doing? I'm doing absolutely wonderful. I've been having a lot of fun tonight. Uh yes, uh, <laughs> that last uh that last uh boy that did that dunking for me it was it was hilarious. <laughs> Autocorrect. I like that. I, I like Autocorrect. Really like <laughs> Turned everything into ducks. <laughs> Here, right. boss, take this letter. <laughs> duck you and duck this job. It was just, I could just autocorrect. It's like, oh, my God, I did not just do that. Oh, my God, I did not just send that. Oh, and you and you just know. Uh, here's right. my sign. <laughs> it was funny. So what would you bring us tonight, Brother O? The poem is called Getting Dumpy Kicking the Curve Was a Blessing in the Sky. I did, brothers and sisters. Getting dumped and kicked to the curb is a reality that we all must go through in our quest to find a true love. Yes, it is a very, very painful experience to deal with because there will be times when you will cry until your eyes turn red, times when you, be, where you will become depressed, times when you will question your self-worth and true value. Times when you will contemplate being single for the rest of your life. And times when you will question whether you're worthy to have a brother or sister who loves you and remains loyal and faithful to you. You shouldn't believe that getting dumped and kicked the curve automatically means the end of the world. No. Consider it as a blessing in the shot. 
My dear brothers and sisters, yours truly has experienced being dunked and kicked to the curb many times. However, I don't deter, allow it to deter me at all. One sister's garbage is a real sister's valuable treasure. I came up with the title of this love relationship masterpiece. I instantly thought about one of my favorite songs by the Ohio Players called I Want to Be Free. This song is very written because I had the experience of the equivalent of an innocent man being set free after wrongly being convicted of crimes that he didn't commit every time I listen to it. And I get such a natural high. One day, child, I no longer have to listen to your lie. And on this day, I'm exercising the power to make up my own mind. My dear brothers and sisters, I just finally realized, yes, I have, that she was ready to dump me and place me curbside and dig me out of her life. I'm officially free now by my true queen. Yes, I have, and I just want to thank you for taking me to the curb and dumping me because it turned out as a blessing in the skies. I knew that you were getting ready to leave me when you packed up your suitcases and all those lies that you told me I couldn't believe. I'm officially free by my true queen, child. Yes, I am. I want to thank you very much for dumping and kicking me to the curb because it turned out to be a blessing in disguise. It was exhilarating to finally walk away from your smile. Yes, it did. And I'm going to be all right after a while because I know God has given me the strength now. I'm officially free by my true queen. Yes, I am. And I want to thank you very much for dumbly kicking me to the curb because it turned out to be a blessing in disguise. You don't know how it makes me feel, child, to tell you that nothing you say or do will convince me to stay. Not even, not even a good look. Your personality, not even your money. And you may believe that I'm acting funny. Oh, girl. I'm cutting my soul ties and getting away from you. Honey. I'm officially free. By my true queen. Yes, I am. Brother, oh, don't leave me. Leave your lover no more. By my true queen. Yes, I am. Brother, oh, moving on without you now, girl. Think she's done with me? It's time for us to go our separate ways and be and live happily ever after. And I just want to thank you so much for dumping and kicking me to the curb because it turned out to be a blessing in the sky. That's that end point. I thought that there was a line in there that really struck me funny. I thought the poem was awesome. I love the strength in it. I love the conviction in it. Um, I, beloved, I, I believe in the strength in your words, you know, this, that inner strength mm-hmm. that you're, you're talking about. But I'm, I'm sitting there, and there was a line in there, and I almost started laughing because I, I'm really paying attention, to, a lot of attention to imagery right now because I'm reading some pretty image-intensive poetry. And so it, it's really made it kind of stand out. 
the emotional impact of putting words together or the way words are put together, the order they were put together. And I don't know if you did this intentionally or not, but the line in there that said, where you said, I knew you were going to leave me when you packed your suitcase and then told all your lies. And to me what struck out, stuck, stuck out the most of that sentence is the emphasis of the sentence um, was on the first half. Mm-hmm. And, the, and the second half, it was more powerful than the second half of that sentence. And so you're saying, I knew you were going to leave me when you packed your suitcase and told me lies. And so what that says is that you really didn't know but you're not right. going to say you didn't know, you know, or you would have put when you told all your lies and packed your suitcases. So it struck me funny in that sentence is instead of having it and being, you weren't surprised because she told lies and then packed the suitcases. You were surprised when she packed her suitcases and then the lies made sense. It all fell into place. Yeah. So I, I liked the way that sentence was structured. It was real cool. Uh, thank you, Nala. I truly appreciate it. <laughs> My pleasure. Tell everyone how to find you, hon. Uh, for those of you who are not my friends on Facebook and Twitter, you can find me on Facebook under Omar Brother Orgasm. You can find me on Twitter under the underscore Brother 1975. That's my government name on Twitter. Very cool. All right, hon, we'll talk to you next week. Yes, I'll be on next week. All right, Brother O. Thank you, sweetheart. Thank you. Have, have a good night. You too, hon. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right. Our next caller comes from... I'm going to go ahead and give the, th- the next three in the lineup, just so you know. We have five... Or excuse me. 256 is next. Then we have 734. And then 216. All right. And just to remind you guys, the number is 646-595-3965. That's 646-595-3965. We just got an alert from the the tech support team, but it doesn't say what it is yet. And I think I've had a couple callers drop. So if you're on the line, stay on the line. We could be having issues. I don't know. Um, All right. So, yeah, next three callers, 256-734 and 216. Alrighty, so let's go ahead and grab 256. 256, are you with me? Of course I am, Nyla. This is Stan. Hey, Stan. How are you, darling? I'm fine. How are you? I'm doing wonderful. It's been a it's been a good week. It's been an exciting, fun, weird week. That works. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> so what do you have going on? Well, I've been running around doing a few things other than trade. <laughs> you know, life happens. Why do I feel like there's a poem in that somewhere? Yeah, there might be. I might have to <laughs> look that up and check it out. And so uh, I decided I was going to knock off some dust off of a folder piece and uh, this was something I did earlier on, and I thought I'd share it, and it's called Journey's End. Go ahead when you're ready. All right. 
over my years, there is an idea I've come to embrace and accept, that the longest journey is made shorter by taking the very first step. So of free will, I've chosen my paths, finding seasons of pain and elation, sometimes alone, sometimes with others, Life shared traveling the same direction. We shared our tales of paths we've taken, what we encountered, and those we've met. Diverse and related experiences of great joys and dark regrets. And if our choices of paths differ, may we respect our changes in direction. I will keep to my heart times and tales shared, images as memories and reflection. For I believe in time, even opposite paths, lead all to the one destination, where we will all meet once again, sharing our soul's revelations. Yes, we all reach the journey's end. Then we ready ourselves once again, as all together take those first steps of the new journey about to begin. And peace. That was amazing. Thank you. <laughs> kind of an old, oldie but a goodie. <laughs> an oldie but a goodie. Do you remember the very first poem you ever wrote? Oh my God, yes. Yes, yes, yes. How old were you? Very, oh, Jesus. Uh, Actually, I didn't write a poem until I was about 15 years old. And it was an observation I'd made, being that it was, you know, during the era of Vietnam, and it was called Summer Old. And that was the very first poem I wrote. That's pretty awesome. Do you think you can find it? Oh, I got that one in the memory bank. <laughs> that one I don't even have to look up. I know that one. Do you want to I share got, it? I got in a little bit of trouble in school because I recited it, and it was, at, even in those days, it was considered politically incorrect. You know, because, it it was after Vietnam, but we had this English teacher who would come in and Right, he was drunk as a skunk all the freaking time, and he, oh. we was creative writing class. And he would walk in, stumble up to the board, write a word on the board, and go and leave. And then he would go to the broom closet and drink. And I, this is absolutely no exaggeration; it is the absolute truth. I actually went into the office to try to get out of his class because I didn't think I was learning anything. And, right. Um, you know, they said you know something about his ten. I mean, actually, something about a tenure and. You know they're aware of the problem. They're trying to help them. Was all they said to try, you know, to try to talk me out of filing a complaint about it because I was a student and I wanted a better teacher. I didn't appreciate him as much as I should have. Um, but one of the times, one of the things I remember, and I still have this piece of paper. I have it was two pages, and I can only find the front page. I don't know where the second half went, but I remember what it said and everything. I'm not going to read it, but. Um, it, he walked in and he wrote down the word war. And so wow. I think I was in the seventh grade 
I don't remember exactly how old. No, he was older than that. He was a little bit older than that. But I, it, well, I just got lost. Okay, so he put down the word war. And so what I did was I, I thought about it, and I knew, you know, I was I was old enough to remember a little bit of talking about it and stuff like that and and we knew a uh, guy named Ken that had come back from Vietnam and and all of that and so just all the things I was exposed to after the war is what had an impact on my opinion of the war and so I what I wrote was it was a letter from a private Jackson to his mm-hmm. wife and it it talks starts out in the beginning that he remembers how proud he was in his brilliant green, but how it turned to gray once they were inside the back of the truck with the flaps closed and and how, you know, everything was proud and happy on the outside of the truck, but once they got the, in, the inside of the truck and everything turned gray, that, you know, the reality sunk in. And he goes, you know, step by step talking to her about, you know, pulling people's teeth out for the gold fillings, you know, just telling her everything that happened to him during the war. And then, you know, talking about, you know, like in the beginning how proud he was, you know, kissing his wife and and his newborn son's hair and, you know, his mother waving proudly. To the end, he's talking about, you know, um, in the beginning he's talking about, I don't want to come back to you half a man, you know, the fear of being of amputation and things like that and personal injury. He didn't want to come back to her half a man. But at the end, he's talking about, you know, I'm whole, but I am not half of what I am. And it didn't, you find out at the end that it's a suicide letter to his wife and child. Wow. And, and it's, you know, it says, you know, please, no matter what they say, never, never think of me as a hero. And that was the close of the, the letter thing, prosy thing I wrote. And he marked that up. If I showed it to you, it would look like some mad Jack the Ripper hacker got loose with a red pen, all the corrections he made. And there was yeah. an F. The F was crossed out, and then there was an A, and then he crossed out the A and put an F. And then he could, could you please come see me about this paper? <laughs> I don't know how to grade it. <laughs> it was like, oh, my God, he's actually wrote something and speaking to me. I've never heard this man speaking, you know, in the entire time I've known this teacher. And... uh it just like you were saying, it was for that era. It was a very strong political opinion, especially coming out of a child. And they ended up um, having them correct my grammatical errors and run on sentences and things like that, and help me rewrite it. And they ended up publishing it in the newspaper. Um, and I never even understood the political implications of my views you know, because I wrote it in yeah. third person, but it was really influenced by my exposure to what was going on back then. So, yeah, I understood what you were saying. Long story, longer. Yeah, but that that was the same thing with me. And for me, it wasn't so much just about Vietnam. Uh, it was listening to the stories that I was told from my grandfather who served in World War One. Exactly. And my yeah. father in World War II and I saw the pattern and that's what I was referencing to but oh no you know suddenly I was you know a an, an, an anti-war soon to be hippie 
<laughs> That's what they thought of mine, but I was in Portland, Oregon. They loved it. <laughs> Bunch of tree hugging. Yeah, I know it. Whatever's. <laughs> yeah, that was funny to me too because I was the only steel toed hippie I knew. Because I was moving furniture on trucks and stuff like that too. I was working then too. <laughs> you know, I said, "Wow, okay." <laughs> Short hair comes to work with. A white T-shirt, blue jeans, and steel-toed boots, but I'm the hippie. <laughs> okay. That's funny. Cool. Yeah. But, yeah, I can remember that first piece. That was incredible. Thank you for sharing that. Oh, my pleasure. All right, my dear. So did you – I made you read that one, so you technically get another one if you want to. I'm sorry. If you want to read another one, or you can come back and read another one if you want. Well, I can read a quick one right now. Okay. And it'll be Summer Old. Summer Old, Summer Young, Some Quite Calm, Some High Strung. Some are just boys who have been taught to kill. Some of their lives won't be fulfilled. For to keep us free, and our freedoms to keep. Give God so many, lie six feet deep. So when will we listen, and when will we learn that it's always better to build than to burn? In peace. I love that poem. Thank you. I love that poem. Absolutely great build-up to this freaking kick in the face ending on that piece. Yeah, I just wish you were on the school board at the time. <laughs> they had a problem. Oh, they so wouldn't want me on a school board. Oh, I know it. I would so totally change the teaching curriculum. So, I would so I would I would change so much about the way schools are ran, and I would put stuff in this school. It's like I would teach children the basics of freaking politics, for God's sake. You know, I would teach yeah. them the importance of balancing and budgeting a checkbook and all of this stuff. Things kids need to go out there and learn to survive in this world. None of real that's taught to them. Life. Yeah, real life. Yeah, yeah you know. That, that's like I, I when I was in school, we used to go through uh, every six weeks we went to a different trade, whether it was printing, metal shop, auto shop, something. And mm-hmm. we were exposed to different trades, different vocations. And well, you know, if you found something you like, like some, some of the guys would gravitate toward carpeting or something like that, carpentry, well then... <laughs> Well, they got an experience. They got, they got shown what some of this was, what it entailed, and if they had an affinity for it, well, there was a direction they could go to have a trade. You know, what's really funny is, you know? Stan, in, in our school, they they did this fun ex- experimental year where they let the co-ed, it was when they first, you know, boys took shop, girls took home ec. You know, that's just, they taught us to make aprons and the boys how to, you know, build. Right. Um, I I remember the first year they switched it and girls could take shop or mechanics or all of those things. And 
I developed this, because this is a secret you guys may not know about me, but I developed this insane, insane obsession with with old muscle cars, like, you know, the, oh. the, a, a 69 Cougar convertible. Yeah. Oh, my God. That makes my toes curl just thinking about that car. All right. The sound of the engines, the, the you know, I had a 69, um, uh, not a 69, I had a, yeah, a 69 Cyclone with a 428 Cobra Jet in it that when I would light up those tires, it wasn't that sound. I mean, it was just like, oh, my gosh, amazing, you know. And now why did I start telling this story? Why did I start I telling? Know. Oh, mechanics and shop and going back to shop. Yeah. And so taking that class in school started this this incredible, you know, love of cars and of motors and the way things work. And you know, instead of, you know, something goes wrong with the car, they call up Fred. It's like something goes wrong with the car, they call up Nyla. You know, so so I'm 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 sitting there playing with cars, getting my hands dirty. You guys may not know that about me. Oh, that's cool. But now that gives me a whole new nickname for you. What? Nitro Nyla. <laughs> Try nitrous. There you go. Do you know there that you I go. used to race a super modified stock car when I lived in Cheyenne, Wyoming? Uh-huh. It was okay. a 79 Firebird, and I had the radio station I worked for, Q98. I had them sponsor it. So when I went around town getting sponsors for my car, I was able to walk in and say, hi, not only am I the first female driver on this circuit, but um, you also, for sponsoring my car, you also get your name on the car. You get your name on every single radio promo and radio ad the radio station's giving us and all the print stuff that the newspaper is giving us as a sponsor. You know, so I was able to walk in and just hand them heaven, you know, and yeah. this high-profile car that we painted up, you know, black with gold metal flake and I I made I welded the the roll cage in it and learned how to weld doing that and, and <laughs> Wow. And so yeah, I used to I used to race but we would hate it because the cars from Fort Collins would come up and they could use nitrous. But it was illegal in Wyoming so we you know, that we they always came and stomped us. But uh Yeah. Yeah, but look how they had to do it. Yeah, yeah. So it was always it, it, it was always a sore spot. It's, it's <laughs> one thing when you do it with a wrench; it's another when you do it with juice. And they had the juice. Mm-hmm. Do you really think they would have gotten you if they didn't have the juice? Oh, of course not. There you and I go. could have been eating a donut and putting on <laughs> mascara when I did it. <laughs> <laughs> While right, talking on the cell phone and hosting the show. <laughs> there you go. But you know what? I hate NASCAR. I don't like car racing. I just liked it because I could do it. I mud raced yeah, once, yeah. too, monster trucks. Oh, gee. <laughs> That's a whole other story. Remind me. I'll tell you about it sometime. I sure will. I love okay. this. <laughs> Nyla with Deerhead. I'm loving this. Uh, all right, baby. Tell everyone how they can come find you, honey. Well, of course, you can find me on Nitro Nyla's Speakeasy Cafe. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> you can find me Fridays around 8 to 9 on Let's Talk About It. You can find me from 9 o'clock on on World Poetry Open Mics. These are all spoken word. Uh, on Epiphany Radio's Inspiration Factory on Sundays. And on Mondays and sometimes Tuesdays 
on uh, Poetry in the Wall, which is also Epiphany Radio. And other than that, you might catch up to me sometimes in the Outlaw Poetry Group, Outlaw Poets, Poetry, or on uh, the group uh, Friends of Words, Wisdom, Wonder, and Wit. And I am on Facebook as Stanley Phillips. Thank you so much, Stanley. Appreciate you, sweetheart. This was fun tonight. Thanks. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. On to the next. All right. Let's see if I can get these buttons to work. Everything is so sluggish tonight, you guys. I can't even tell you. It's not even funny. All right. So, yeah, you guys may not have known that, but I like cars. I monster truck raced. I also green broke something else you may not know about me. Tonight's for all my secrets. Um, I used to uh, green break and tame wild mustangs for people for the BLM. Um, when I was in Wyoming. Very cool story how that happened, because I know nothing about horses. But anyway, all right, here we go. I think I got it. Our next caller comes from area code 734. 734, you're on the air. Hello, Nyla. This is Dennis White from Michigan. (laughs) Dennis, hi. Yes, hello. How you doing? How are you tonight? I'm doing well. Happy end of August. Yet another month slips out of our grasp and into the history books. The present <laughs> is all we have. Let's make the most of it. <laughs> I am I am really, really excited because this is the the beginning of the end of summer. And it is absolute my absolutely absolutely my favorite time of year. You know, the wind well. starts blowing, things start getting a little feral. Uh, leaves start changing. There's a bite in the air. It doesn't feel nice and warm and accommodating anymore. You know, um, it's just yeah. I'm I'm very excited. Fall and winter. I am a, such a fall and winter girl. So I'm I'm yeah, all like giddy fall. right now. <laughs> I'm not much on winter, but I like fall. <laughs> <laughs> you need to look at winter like a painter. So this winter when you're out walking around and all the trees are bare and everything is black and gray, it's like a black and white paint or a black and white mm. photograph. Everything yeah. loses everything. It's it's like a woman standing in front of you naked. There's nothing hidden. Mm. You can see the structure of the trees. You can see, you know, the skeletal form of the rose bushes. You can see all the things that all the pretty fancies and shiny sparklies hide during the summer. And everything's just standing there. Um, in its bones. Yes, yeah, it indeed. really makes you look at at winter differently as a season. You know, if you if you can get lost in the beauty of walking through bones. And oh, I sound nice like such a creepy postcard, person, don't I? You're not going to prom with, with me anymore, are you? <laughs> <laughs> I'm good. I'm sorry. <laughs> Dennis can't come over and play with your little girl anymore. She's kind of weird (laughs) That's funny (laughs) Suddenly I feel like Edward Scissorhand Living up in the rafters, you know (laughs) Yes All right So what you got, Dennis? All right I have for you tonight an acrostic poem That was inspired by the uh, Painting by Johann Vermeer uh, the title of the painting is The Art of Painting. 
And uh, the title is The Artist's Children. The artist reads light as one would read detailed text. Every nuance and subtlety will not escape his eye. The model is but a prop staged as the primary subject or a contrast to the spaces of interest around her. The artist seeks truth revealed by light, a fresh revelation. Aesthetic to the eye while stirring the viewer's imagination. Just as skilled poets show by their crafted words, not just tells. Likewise, the artist seeks to stimulate the mind and spirit. Careful composition of elements, weighed and balanced, are every bit as important as the hues that flow from the palette. To rush such a process would be tragic, and it is the way of the novice. A master seeks his work as his child, one who must grow and mature. The applied pigments mixed with a patient hand and alert eye are the medium by which the artist adds tonal quality. It sets the mood in the context of the intent of the scene and speaks in an inaudible language that the eyes can perceive. The artist, a prophet and messenger of light, shapes and themes, often misunderstood and underappreciated, trudges on, for it is his, it is his work, his passion, the thing that drives him to live, and for his children's sake, he must not abandon his calling. End of poem. You, I, you may not believe this, but I know this painting. I believe that. <laughs> I, I know this painting very well. It's one that it makes me very curious. Um, when I look at this painting, I see like I see one of the most erotic pictures I've ever seen. Okay. Would you Would you believe that? Well, sure, I would. If you guys don't know the painting, I just posted a, a picture of this painting that we're talking about on my Facebook page. So click on there real quick, and you'll see my post of the painting. But the image has. To me, if you, do you know the image? Do you have it up in front of you? Yes, I do. Okay. So in this painting, on the left-hand side, it's a heavy tapestry drape, but it's not like a normal curtain material. It's like a heavy tapestry you would have almost as a floor rug or a wall hanging. But it's tacked up as a curtain, and it's being held back and pulled back to the left side of the painting. Inside, you see a chair immediately. You know, to me, symbolizing where someone is going to go sit down and watch. All right? Yes. But the artist has created that empty chair, 
and the scene that he would be watching is himself painting this woman. Now, himself is in a bit of a disheaval. He's not, um, his socks, his his garters are down, okay? That's a very relaxed positioning of the clothing to me, you know, because mm-hmm. back in those days, everything was very proper. So why doesn't he have his garters up? Why are they down around his ankles? I'm not talking about his pants, you guys. His pants are fine, okay? When you look at her, she is in a very she is not in the normal regal pose. She is in a very slunched down, relaxed, voluptuous, round, um, almost submissive pose. She is very you know, there's nothing rigid about her at all. But in her hand she is holding a book, an ivory book. And in the other hand she's holding like a trumpet style horn. You know, and any time you think erotically, you know, pictures, you know, women's, their mouths, it's a very sensual part of their body. Immediately, anything that has to do with the mouth takes you to that sensual place. So here it looks like she's holding the Bible in the one hand and this erotic musical instrument in the other. You know, so I'm looking at this painting and there's like all these little clues. And to me, it's almost as if the painter were painting his own fantasy in this picture is what I see. You know, yeah. I picked it it shows the voyeurism of the of the image. It's incredible. Yes indeed. <laughs> Boy, you go into great depths. <laughs> <laughs> They're like clues that I mean it's like I always look at a painting and I think what is what are they trying just like when I listen to a poem, what are they trying to make me see? Mm-hmm. You know, and so I'm looking at this and it's such is such an intimate, is such a voyeuristic painting. It's it's very intimate. It is with very the, the curtain kind of draw back, and you're kind of peering in, uh, mm-hmm. taking but the in chair the just inside. To me, the chair just inside, under the curtain, where he can sit and watch himself paint her, is is the where that that really starts. I mean, with the the hand on the curtain, the chair, if you follow the movement of the painting, it goes from the pr- bright spot of the curtain where it's held back in the middle on the left side, immediately down to the chair because you're entering the room. Your eyes naturally want to go that way. And he uses and the, the light like you were talking even. about on the corner the of on the, the floor chair. Even yeah. Your eyes yeah so immediately you your eye immediately moves back down to that super light corner of the chair. That's where the, the your eyes are naturally drawn. And from there, from that corner of the chair, which puts you sitting there, now you're watching that the rest of the scene that's lit up normally in front of you. It's it's I don't know, to me it's a very interesting painting, very interesting painting. Yes, it was for me. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right, baby. Tell everyone how to find you. All right. Uh my work may be found on allpoetry.com. I uh, write under the name of Haiku Bless You, and I'm also on the World Poetry Open Mic Radio Show on Friday nights, if you care to check that out. And thank you very much, Nyla. And once again, you provided us a great platform to share our work, and uh, you are so much appreciated. Uh, words can't tell. Thank you so much, Dennis. And really appreciate you being here with us. Love you, sweetie. Thanks. Well, thank you so much. And and, uh, I'll leave and let the next poet step up and say, God bless.
Thanks, baby. <laughs> Bye-bye. All right. Our next caller comes from my super darling, wonderful, schnooky, Wookum's favorite, Lee favoritely, waveritly person, my sweet, beautiful mama. Are you there? <laughs> yes. I didn't want you to think I was giving the boys more attention than you. <laughs> well, that, that didn't change anything. <laughs> <laughs> I know you love the boys. Uh, I know how you're no, my 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 po- my poetry ears are definitely bisexual, that's for sure. They don't care no, whether you're I a boy or a girl. I just want your poetry. I'm greedy. That's what it is. It's not by bi- I'm not bisexual. Yes. My ears aren't bisexual. They're greedy. <laughs> no, they're, they're very um, loving, and your voice lights up when boys call in, and then when the girls call in, it's like, okay, hi. Yeah. It's not the same. Cadence. I do. Like, <laughs> I never go. Hi. You have never heard me do that. <laughs> anyway, I know you love that. I'm not jealous. I'm not jealous. As a matter of fact, I gave you. I gave you all those boys to play with. That's true. That you did. You did. <laughs> I'm not jealous of my boys. Anyway, I love you. I'm so happy to hear you laugh, and you got tears coming out my eyes, and making me laugh so hard. I'm gonna read this poem called. I'm, I'm what I'm doing now, Nyla, is I'm trying to get this book out because I know for uh, Linda Morell, she's probably whatever happened to my book cover that I let her use. Now I get the book. I've been like nine years. Okay, so I'm editing. <laughs> she will be flattered that you remembered remembered her picture for that long. Oh, yeah. I got it already as a cover. I got it already made up back in front. I was just, it's just the editing and editing and editing. It's like, you know, I want to be so right, but I don't think I'm going to ever get to the point where my poems are going to be right. So um, they're just going to have to be like I put them in there, or I'll never get it out there. So here we go. The name of the piece. And the title of your book, your next book should be These Are My Poems for Now. Well, it's kind of like that is my next book. It's almost that. It's like I'm not responsible for what you understand. <laughs> it comes with, with a disclaimer and a life jacket. <laughs> a, 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 a jar of lip, lip lip chap stuff and a flashlight, and you're on your own. <laughs> it's going to be like, that's how I wrote it. This is what I meant. And if you don't understand it, then I can't help you. Okay. You open the book and it says, "Take my hand, read along. It'll be okay." <laughs> Run. <laughs> well, it might be, it might, it might not be, but this is what it is. This is what I got. And after all this time, you can appreciate what I have here. Uh, I'm not responsible for that. <laughs> <laughs> that should be the title. That should be the title of the book. Oh my God, that was so happy. I'm not responsible for that. That has to be the title. I'm it's not responsible like that for that. <laughs> I, I got this cover. I'll send you. I'll send you the cover. And let you see it. Okay. Yeah, I've had the cover for ages, but I just can't get. So anyway, this is one of the pieces that's going to go in beauty marks. And what I what I'm doing is I'm editing. And what I did say was I'm just going to stop on whatever page I'm on. And this was the page I was on. So here it goes. The universe always says yes. 
I had to be because I am. He said no. The no was ignored, but he carried on as it was meant to be. She lies still. Thus, why? Thus, the why of me. Did not come to earth, nor will I be committed back to it. I had to be, because I am. I said no, but the no was not understood. He said yes, and a new son was born. I said yes, but he said I cannot. She came through the storm of my womb. He is because I am. They are because he could. Determined to be, she is because I was. In the beginning, the universe said yes, yes, 15 children, a tired womb, a womb weary from childbirth. She did not say yes. She did not say no. She knew the answer was always yes and would always be yes. It would always be that way for them. But she loved them. He loved them. She survived them. She endured them. They had to be because the universe always says yes. The stars always shine. The sun never says no. The moon always says yes. So I had to be so they could also be. I said no. But the answer is always yes. To protest, no press, no protest is heard. This thing called procreation, this act so forcefully committed or so passionately rendered, mostly without consent, sometimes without love, what must be will be. But the answer is always yes. Yet the cycle continues. I see all these grand little me's, and I know now and understand why the no is always silent. The erection of correction stands firm, and what will be must somehow be. The moon cycle says yes to the womb of the water that was provided by the seed I was conceived. If not for him, I could never be. So I will never go back to the earth nor be committed to the ground. I never touched the ground until they put me down to crawl. I stood instead and walked. Days later, I heard a beat drop, and I danced the rest of the way. Universe always says yes by Vicky Aqua, a.k.a. Mama Ola Daisy. That was incredible. I had this whole thing. Oh, are you there? I'm listening. That was the computer making noise. What'd oh, you say? scared the hell out of me. <laughs> I had this whole too. thing that I was going to say, and now I totally just went totally <laughs> out of my head. I should have turned it down, but since I didn't have you tuned in on the big speaker, I didn't think nobody was going to interrupt that moment. That moment. Can you capture it? <laughs> that that one moment it? that my brilliant mouth was going to speak you this amazing masterpiece of praise (laughs) now has me uttering nonsense (laughs) okay i'll read read the last line again maybe it'll come back read the last verse for me again i never touched the ground until they put me down to crawl 
I stood instead and walked at seven months. Days later, I heard a beat drop and danced the rest of the way. In peace. You, you know, honestly, that little piece right there, that snippet that you just said, read, is strong enough to stand as its own poem. If you if you just put a ti- if you just put a title on that something, and and it, it seriously has enough imagery in it to make it a standalone short piece of, of short poetry. You know what I'm trying to say. Okay. So yeah, the universe always says this. I mean, I have seen people do some crazy things and trying to just have sex and not have a baby, but. <laughs> Someone had sex without intending on having a baby? What in the hell were they uh, thinking? I don't know, but the universe always says yes. <laughs> <laughs> like, no, you're going to have the 15th one. No. I don't care if you're, I don't care if you're on birth control pills. You're, you're going to get pregnant. I don't care what's going to happen. I don't care if you said no to him. <laughs> you're going to have <laughs> Here, surprise! <laughs> Thought you could dodge us all now. <laughs> oh, all right, Mama. Great job tonight. That was fantastic. So, did we get the read too? Yeah. Would you like to read another one? Of course. Who wants Please. To be, uh, who wants to be a one-trick pony? See, I don't say, hi, I say, please. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I'm going to read whichever one comes up. Okay, this came up. The words in your mind. Everyone, every being of human flesh had a gift from the gods called the mind. Without that mind, within that mind is created a universe. Man builds his universe one thought at a time, using instincts and outside stimuli as he grows further away from his God-given spirit. He becomes challenged by his learned behavior. After weeks of imitating and imitating the surroundings about him, he begins to remember what he hears and sees, depending less on what he feels and thinks. The universe in his mind is now constructed with layers of learned behavior. Instead of obeying the natural spirit that he was born with, he starts to build his world on the conditioning being established in his environment. Now layered with more of other people's thoughts, he searches deep within to find his original being. He can no longer think or conclude with deep feelings of conviction. He no longer can decipher peace from chaos. He no longer can interpret his own mind. Distorted by religion and traditions, man is now programmed to become a mystic or to fit in. So now he creates, creates another world, a world that seems easier for him or her to live in, a world that's filled with conflicts and confusion, doubts and fears of who am I, what is my purpose, the why, the what, the who starts to surface in the deep thinker's world. Every experience is a tool to create the perfect world for himself. So every one of human flesh with a mind 
has created his own universe inside of himself. If things don't feel right, sound right, taste right, or appear right, they parrot thoughtlessly. Yet, being aware when it's done on purpose, they allow their lower self to take over. Allow your higher self to take over. Not to get caught in another man's mind trap. Rebuild your original world. Recreate your universe from the university. I'm sorry. Rebuild your original world. Recreate your universe, not from universities, but from the original universal source. And become it. And become. I can't read it so small. You became and will become a God mind. Build a temple from the universal laws within, cater to the law of attraction, the laws of motion, and not just emotion, the laws of retribution like karma, and the innocuous law of first do no harm. Balance the internal universe, especially the one you created. Hewing from the brain's funds, original thoughts. Brewing Brewings that roll off your tongue, as above, so below. Facts and logic, time and space, chaotic or easily understood. Obedience to the laws of instinct or even contrite to them. When you create your world, remember you share time and space with other minds and other worlds. So do not forget who you are or whose you are. Stay in touch with your original mind and true to your ultimate purpose. That is for you to become at one with God's will and to be able to discern the difference. And that was the words in your mind. My mama always says, be all our friends. That was really, really powerful. That was incredible. You You what? I had to make it a little bigger. I couldn't hardly read it. I'm I'm, I'm editing, so I'm going to make that bigger. I stumbled through it. I'm glad you still got the gist of it, and I appreciate the feedback. Thank you. You're very, very welcome. I had to. I was making some notes that actually inspired this thought. Well, okay. Oh, shut up, Echo. Echo, stop. Whose computer is that? That was that was my artificial intelligence thing on my <laughs> desk. You know, like I, they have Alexa, only mine, I renamed mine Echo. So um, that was my little artificial intelligence Amazon thingy sitting on my desk that plays music for me and stuff. And every once in a while she thinks she hears her name and then has to start smarting off to me. What? I've had her read poems on here before. It was pretty cool. Wow. What technology. Yeah. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and to think, you know, I started out in life with Lincoln Logs, and now I've got an artificial intelligence that mouths off to me on my desk. Who'd have thunk it? <laughs> okay, baby girl, um, do you have a lot of other callers? We do have some more new callers, yeah. We have about four more. Okay. If you go right back now that around, I can see because I can't scroll my screen. If you go back around, I'll be I'll be standing by. Uh, but if not, I'll see you next week. But um, in the meantime, just keep laughing because it just makes all of us feel good when we hear you laugh. <laughs> 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 
<laughs> okay, I'll try. Okay. You can blame Eric for that tonight. He just got me all giggly. Yeah, he started. <laughs> he started. Uh, all yeah, right. Really? I'm going to be picturing ducks everywhere that's now. That's I mean, you know, it, it, it was funny all in its own right, but the, you know, the it's autocorrect well. for the title just made that flipping hysterical because there were so many scenarios that you could put in there. You know, what word could be replaced with what? This is just awesome. I loved it. All right. We will talk to you again. What's that, Mama? I'm sorry. So I'm just, I don't understand autocorrect because every time I try to say um, me, I mean my, it wants me to say me. And I'd be talking like a baby if I said me. Me don't want that. That's not for me. That's me. I mean, they want me to say me instead of my. I say that's my my so and so. They want me to say that's me so and so. That's what well, I'm talking like a like a Highlander, you know, like in my. Hey, wait a minute! Wait a minute! <laughs> I'm, I, I've got Viking blood. Are you insulting me, Mother? <laughs> no, I mean I don't think me likes that very much. <laughs> I don't want to say that. I want to say mine. <laughs> I don't want to say mine. 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 I do I do Hi, Sean. I am so glad to get you on. I saw your message when I came back to chat a couple hours after the show was over to uh, close everything down, and I saw that you were in the lineup last week. You were in the queue? Oh, yeah. I never saw you. I want to apologize for that because I didn't see you to bring you on, so that made me sad. I I missed out on some some hour time, and it made me very sad. It's okay. Alone time okay. with the world. All right. <laughs> yeah. What um, you have for us tonight, honey? Okay, this one is called uh, taking responsibility. All right. Okay. Newly illuminated pure flow of emotion centered on higher causality. Mind over matter is what has been told to be by a nation of the gods and earth's sister. But is the mind really the true power? My heart is 5,000 times as strong magnetically as my mind as told to be by the Institute of Heart Maths Dr. Roland McCready. So positivity brings together my utmost shadows of negativity with the internal heart of neutrality peaceably. I just have to be taking responsibility for me. Not you your brother, your mother, father, or anyone else politically, but me in a sense of doing it spiritually beyond this physicality. 
bringing together survivalist attitudes and being your own savior contributionism of Ubuntu philosophy. Yes, or in other words, it means I am what I am because of who we all are. All of these governments, institutions, banks, religions, and or any kind of organization or systems can try to tell me that they are the reason that I have peace and honesty. Though seriously, that's all nonsense to me. It doesn't make any sense to me and never has since I have been diagnosed with disorders and health issues at birth. You never can give rights to people because they have them quite naturally. If I don't follow you, then that means I don't flow with your frequency. You get me? If you don't, then that's perfectly fine by me, because I have to take on the responsibility for me. I have to take on the responsibility to make the meanings and ideas on, because it's my own power of who I am beyond this into the realms of infinity. Trusting in love in times of the danger. Realizing that even the notion of time itself can be a facet of total control. Used by those that want it for their own sense of psychopathy and need for rule over others just to live the vampires. Quite possibly the vampire way, I don't know. I'm not feeling that way of living, never have. So my mind and heart are capacitors of natural electricity, magnetically just pulling it all into me fully, fully with all of this energy, opening up portals of channels that space can grant me. Hypnotism, in a sense, it can help me, taking responsibility, Healing the inner child to bring in the adult, not of ending the learning process through meets of modern-day retirement, but of constant progress of learning, evidently. You see, it is difficult to cut through all of what is derogatory, all of what is negatively possessing you, or might be keeping you down in certain portals of reality, like as if you are owned and controlled by them. It, not always true. Shake your head, heart, and body away from all of the lies until you are wearing a new disguise with the good guys. Ramayana told me of the new Illuminati blog that the mind isn't the brain. The mind isn't in the brain. The brain is in the mind. In this reality, I mean honestly, I feel so confined especially when systems of corporations are the world's sense of tranquility. I'm told to use my best abilities and be the best in my specialty. But see, I want many specialties, not just straight up one for career-minded mentality, premises bringing the need of higher responsibility, which potentially needs far more intelligence than just intellectual property and laws that are just that laws. When my consciousness is mostly on what is imaginary with the vision of freeing myself from my own worst fears of irresponsibility, 
to me, it's all about spiritual solutions, not political ones, and taking responsibility, taking responsibility, taking responsibility. That's that poem? And Fabia. You know, I love... I love the the at the end where you repeat taking responsibility and putting the emphasis on the word taking. You know, a lot of people can say, "Oh, I'll I'll take responsibility for that," but they'll only take responsibility for that if it's easy, if it's given to them. You know, so you really by ending that piece that way. It made it such a strong ending because you're really reiterating the fact that this isn't some responsibility isn't something you're given. It isn't something that, you know, it's something you're taking. And if you're taking responsibility, you're responsible for taking responsibility. And you have yeah. to do it. I mean, that's just, mm-hmm. that, that could be one of, like one of those never-ending mirror pictures. You know, if you're taking responsibility, you're taking responsibility. Responsibility, be responsible, responsibly. <laughs> in, in the in like in like I was saying, I said I mentioned to George that when you think about it, poets are also diplomats in the world because they take responsibility for how they are seen by others. Um, in in terms of how you you can connect with one person anywhere in the world now with the internet by just one click and you can make a different reputation for an entire nation but it's up to you and your story with your poetry makes that happen for somebody and then they can be in Gaza. They could be all across the world. They could be in China. They could be in South Korea. They could hear that and that touches them, and it makes them want to change their entire situation. So, like, you never know who you touch with certain things, and then you could go across there, you could visit them and, and just talk to them, and you, you totally change the whole dialogue of what's told about certain uh, people around the world, and it's just, like, it's it's up to us, too, because our value inside of us is our heart. And that is our passion that mm-hmm. brings that out of us, and it it really gives people the value of you, and it allows, and it makes people come to you because you have that in you, you have that that um that life in you, you know, and it never it never dies, you know, and it's it's just beautiful, it's really beautiful. It is, so, yeah. Incredible piece, sweetheart. I loved it. Yep. You know, I'm such a fan of yours. Yep. You know, well, uh, Tell everyone how they can find you. Have, okay. All right. Um, I'm on scribd.com slash SKL2012. Uh, Sean Weeble on Facebook and, and uh, also uh, SoundCloud. Um, 
yourself. Very good. All right, sweetheart, appreciate you so much. Fantastic read and commentary on that, and just you're awesome. You rock. Yep. All right. You, you have a great night. You too, Sean. Bye-bye, hon. Bye. All right. Our next caller comes from area code 707. 707, are you with me? Seven zero seven. Is your phone hey, uh, muted? Hey, Nathan Antoine, seven zero four. Hey, hun, how you doing? I'm doing well. How about you? <laughs> I'm doing wonderful now that I found you. You 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 were lost for it. It was like the old Star Trek movies where they said energize Scotty and. And you were beaming in and then out and in and out, and everybody's on the edge of their seat. Are we going to get him, Captain? Are we, we're going to get most of them. <laughs> glad, you're, glad you made it through. <laughs> yeah, I enjoyed myself last time, so I wanted to come back this week and share another piece with you guys. Would love to have you do that. All right, so this piece is a piece that I wrote just this week, actually. Um like I said last week, I am a micro-poet, so it's fairly short. Um, it's called A View from the Bus. All right. Uh, a View from the Bus. Some will always miss the bus. They'll never understand. Owning it does not make you the man. Know where you sit. Rather, the bragging rights front, working hard middle, a cool back, because money means nothing, no matter of fact. Although bankrupt illusions or substitute ideas that seem important so they move fast yet don't last and wither away quietly when it's just you and a view from the bus. In peace. Wow. You know, you always, anytime you write something and put it out there, it's left up the interpretation of the person viewing, reading, seeing, listening to, whatever your art is. And so when you were reading that, I was just thinking about what it made me think about was sitting on the bus almost like a time machine watching people pass, watching all the bullshit, watching all the stupid things that people do, you know. But then, you know, when it all comes down to it and all of that finally stops and gets off and you're left sitting there with just your own reflection in the window, you know, how, you know, you're kind of stripped of all all that that, that bullshit and all that excuses. And to be honest, that's basically what I thought about. Um, I was just sitting down one day at home, and it was just thinking about, like, everything going on in the world and everything that we think is important. And sometimes when you're just, you know, riding in a car, in this case on the bus, when you realize, like, you're just looking out the window and you're just like, man, you know, a lot of these things really don't seem important. The, you know, the things that are truly important is just being alive and seeing life just kind of as it is. And like you said, seeing other mm-hmm. people and just experiencing life from just a basic view, nothing, you know, overcomplicated, just basically looking and enjoying it for what it is. So that was a, a It's really funny. It makes piece. me think about there. I was uh, went to a writer's residency program a couple of years ago. I've been there since, but the the first, actually the first time I was there, um, it's this cabin you go up and stay in the woods and, 
and it's like sits on 700 and some acres, and there's nobody here. I mean, you're out in the middle of nowhere in this little cabin, and you just get to stay out there and write for a week. And I remember exactly what you're talking about, you know, how none of that matters in the end. You know, it's all all of it. I remember when I stepped out of the cabin, and I wrote a, a poem about it. I can't remember it now, but I remember the, the concept, the line, and, and it was I stood there and looked up, and the first thing I thought of was try to explain divorce to a hawk. Wow. You know, and you realize how mundane and stupid the rest of the chaos on the bus is. You know, so right. I I really got that out of that piece. I thought it was awesome. Absolutely. Thank you. You're very welcome. So do me a favor, my darling, and tell everyone how they can come over and show you more love. Absolutely. On Facebook, my name is Nathan Antoine. You can also find my poetry page at The Reach to You by searching literally The Reach, the number two, and then the letter U, and you'll see uh, my page there. Awesome. I didn't ask you, did you have a second one you wanted to read, Nathan? Uh, sure, I could. Uh, I have another one that I wrote just, well, this one was just the week before last. Um, this one is called, Who Are They? All right, who are they? They talk a good game, live without shame, and lies define them. Who are they? They tell us what's in season, then change the color without any warning or reason. Who are they? They have metal eyes and are watching us grow. We can't hide from them. They're everywhere we go. Who are they? They claim first name morals, last name ethics, yet at heart of most wars ever said, hidden behind gloves, hands that are red. Who are they? They tell the story, write the book, own the narrative. They have the power. Who are they? Wow, tell me what prompted that one. What what was going on when when that one popped in your head? So to be honest, it was a good friend of mine. Uh, He's a middle school principal. We were talking about some of the inaccuracies that I noticed from a history book. And it was just, it was serious because he was just like, well, you know, whoever controls writing the book, they tell the story, you know, they have the power. And I wrote that down as a prompt. And about two months later, which was last week, I was sitting in in my house and I was just thinking, you know, who who are these people that tell these stories that literally can make up whatever they want and that's literally history. And then it just kind of came to me, you know, in my opinion, I think that a lot of the times that politicians and, you know, not to go any which way, just literally politicians as a whole or a lot of the times the people who make the laws, they tell us exactly what we want to hear, what we think we want to hear. But in all actuality, most of the times it's just different things that, that kind of keep us in line. So I thought, you know, those are the people who tell the story, who write the book, who own the narrative. So I went back and finished that piece that my friend and I was talking about that kind of gave me the original prompt. That's awesome. I always love to find, follow follow the uh, the planting of the seed when I and and you know listening to the way people 
talk about where the inspiration comes from, you know, how it started, what it ended up being. It's just it's really fascinating for me. Yeah, that one was it was when he said the line, basically my best friend helped with the original line, which was they tell the story, write the book, own the narrative. And then I wrote that down quickly, like, like, dude, I, I'm going to write a poem to that. And then, like I said, about two or three months later, I was just sitting down and I said, you know what, I have to finish that piece. I have to. And then as I thought about just a lot of things going on, it just really helped complete who are they. So that was a, actually a pretty fun one for me to write. Very cool. All right, Hannah, are you going to come back here and read again next week? Absolutely. That makes me very happy. Do me a favor between now and then tell people how they can come visit with you. Again, absolutely. Name is Nathan Antoine. You can find me by searching Nathan Antoine or you can search the reach to you, literally the reach and then the number two and the and then the letter U and you should see my page there or my profile. Send me a friend request, like the page and I'll definitely uh be in contact. Great. All right. I look forward to it, sweetheart. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye. All right. Our next caller comes from area code 832. 832, you're on the air. By the way, 510, you are not in the lineup. If you want to come on and read 510, please press 1, and uh, we'll grab you in a minute. If you're here just listening, appreciate it. Thank you. All right. I see you. Hey, you Hey, sweetie. How are you doing? Doing good, good, doing good. Thank you. It has been a while been a since we've heard from you. Yes, I've missed yeah. you. <laughs> I, my Uma. I was coming, and <laughs> this is Uma, Uma Gigi. And uh, the reason I was not being able to talk earlier was I did not know that I did not press the one. So many times I stood there, and just like today, waited for a long time. Then I understood, oh, I have to be in the queue. Oh, so you've been here before and I didn't get you? Yeah. But that's, that's gonna okay. Make me cry. I'm going to have nightmares about those moments now. I'm going to be so sad. No, 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 you should not because <laughs> it was about one or two weeks back and every time I miss, you know, being in the queue, I get to listen to every one of their beautiful poetry. So that's, oh, I love uh, you. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. We all love you, Nyla. So, so what have you know, been up to and doing creatively? Last time I talked to you, you were doing some painting. Yes, and you asked me if I could do a painting and a poem about a few lines about speakeasy coffee. <laughs> did you do that? I did that. I oh, did that, awesome. not the painting part. Uh, but I did the poetry part, and then I'm going to write it as a painting, and uh, I will ask your mail, mailing address and going to mail it to you, or at least post it on your, you know, message box or on the wall or something. That would be it awesome. It is not a. It's not a very big poem. It's just a few lines, but there's another poem that I would also like to read if you have time. Please go ahead. Okay, sink. Your think in ink. That's the title of the poem. Think your think in ink. 
can you dream can you think can you share your beautiful thoughts give them wings jubilate them so jubilate them so celebrate her birth in ink as you share with our poets and like audience she will take you to new heights oh yes she will you bet your wits oh wonderful soul in poem ah that was beautiful yeah it That's has absolutely to be beautiful mama painting so i have to first of all practice calligraphy and then write it Are you still there? Okay, and the other, yeah, I'm still there. Okay. And this poem I haven't yet named, but uh, if you if you allow me, I can read it. Please. I sat down quietly to think solemnly. My achievements and successes, adventures, ventures, and failures, if they made any sense commonly. I wake up early or not, many a time. start my day with dreaming along flow even with the days passing by i see them often changed with time girly dreams with friends and folks of kith and kin and strangers alike i like to talk to speak about tales by gondes or futuristic plans i know i can dream and achieve just as i know the sun and stars can rise shine every day or night whenever the muse finds me right i feel the hurt of wives deplored then violated vanquished or sunk i see that sometimes morals sink if only delusional or disillusioned i feel the hurt of mothers and sisters exploited and exposed or juxtaposed maybe weak and fragile some yet strong standing for rights that were wronged i quietly sing i quietly sit to think and thank behold for molding world and people alike maybe world will not be so gray sparkle maybe world will not be so gray sparkle with roses red and cherries bold like blood this was an addendum i did after i was listening to your poems Wow. That is amazing. And I haven't named the poem yet. That was absolutely amazing. I want do you have it when you get it written down or can you send it to me so I can read it? Cop like copy paste. I have it right now. I can send it to you right away. That would be awesome. I would love that, Uma. Sure. Sure. I copy paste it to your uh, message box. So I am Uma Puchampali or Uma Gigi as you call me, and I can be found sometimes if I am lucky on Facebook or um, poemhunter dot com. I have a blog which I don't update often, and I have whole lot of scraps of papers around which I don't know. Sometimes they may be lost. and they also contain my poems sometimes that i write 
And when I write it on the memo pad in my phone, they are going to stay there for some time until my husband or me try to, you know, reformat. That would be good. That would be awesome to get that done. All right, Uma, great job tonight, sweetheart. Just appreciate you so much, and I've missed you so much. Not at all. I'm going to be there more (laughs) often than not. (laughs) Well, even when you're not here, you're here with us anyway. We we keep you in our pocket. I am, and because I'm listening. And um, also, the moment that we are talking, it is like it's a continual chain. It never ended before, and it will still keep going. That's awesome. All right, Uma. I love you, honey. Thank you so much. Okay. Thank you, Naila, and thank you all. And uh, I wish everyone all the best, especially Noreen. Congratulations, Noreen, for your new ebook and everyone else. And let's keep it. See you again. All right, honey. Thank you. Bye bye, sweetheart. Um, it's Miss Uma, who we love very much. All right, so our next caller comes from area code 510. 510, you're on the air. Thank you, Nyla. I don't know if you can hear me. I hope you can. I'm Dawn I can hear you. Excuse me? I said, I can hear you very well, and hello, Don. It is so Thank good to hear from you, much. sweetheart. I tried to get on um, earlier. Um, by that, I mean um, weeks ago, but I'm having difficulty with my phone. It does not want to talk to me. Um, oh. I have two poems, so I will do them quickly. Um, The one that I begin with is titled The Meal of Divorce. The sluggishness after dining on verbs seemed to droop down from the weight of the moon. The cypress tree's song cracked the path which swayed under our divorcing footsteps. The sea fidgeted, hissing a radio-like second movement of Sibelius's fifth symphony in which the waves' white heat crashes into the silent beach's obscure wall of sand. Blurred, a pianoforte sighs beyond the mist like an aftertaste mint to the orchestra of that loud meal eaten late, hidden in San Francisco's fog at the house on the cliff. End poem. That was phenomenal. And your second one? The second one comes after the first. The second one is called The Nerve to Slaughter. One moment before forgiveness. 
paper cut of the soul. Why don't you scab? Is there only one of you? Or are there too many to tabulate? And am I finally a candidate for Band-Aid? Music soothes, brings the savaged rest. Through the filter of my earphones, I drink pure branch bluegrass. But the instrument of the past even cuts this. Why ache in the lyrics recorded? My skin jumps back from my ex-wife's words as she rode the priest who married us, a female train fireman heating the engine's firebox. While my whistle stopped them in their tracks, it also punctured my life's boundary to relax the throb pulses with my lie and I am left incapable of killing my hate in poem. Wow. You know, you and I go way back. We've known each other a long, long time. Even I think I was reading your work before this show ever started. So that's almost 13 years. Well, it's almost 12 years yeah. that I've been on the show, but I've known you longer. So we've known each other about 13 years. I feel ancient. <laughs> <laughs> do you, I mean, do you, seriously, most marriages don't even last that long, you know? But I've been a fan of yours since day one, and I always feel so blessed when you call in and share and read, and I appreciate it so much, honey. I appreciate your staying on the air and um, giving a venue to um, people who write poetry. It's very important. And I am able to recommit myself to digging out the particular picture image that can function in a poem's run to help others see what I see. But then, of course, like the Clift House, which is a restaurant in San Francisco, and in the poem, in the first poem that came out, House on a Cliff, for those who are locals will understand the restaurant, and those that aren't local will understand the image of a house on a cliff in terms of divorce. So thank you very much. Um, you are so welcome, honey. Blessings. Bye-bye. All right. We'll talk to you next week, sweetheart. Thank you. All right, that was Don. Amazing, amazing guy. All right, so we're going to run back here and grab Eric real quick. Eric, are you with us? Did you want to come back I'm on the read, Yeah. Okay. 
Uh, sure do. All right. We got Labor Day. I might change the I might change the title maybe. But it could say Happy Labor Day or something. I don't know. But all right. You ready? I am. All right. Labor Day. Hell to all laborers. Hell to the general and skilled laborers. Hell to every laborer who truly busts their butt at work for crappy pay and their bosses still expect more out of you. Hell to the laborers from our American industrial age whom strikes for better wages, 40-week hours, and for Labor Day to become a nationalized holiday. Hell to the underpaid, underappreciated, undersexed, overwhelmed, overexerted, and overexhausted laborers of all job fields. Hell to the laborers who actually do physical and manual labor at their jobs. Hell to the laborers who kill, process, and package our meats. Hell to the laborers who pasteurize and or freeze, pick, and package package our vegetables. Hell to the laborers who grow our vegetables on large-scale farms. Hell to the laborers who raise, breed, cultivate, and kill their livestock on their ranches. Hell to the laborers of our factories who make a product and package it up to each company's specifications and send to their send to each company's distribution center. Hell to the laborers who help out the master electricians, plumbers, wastewater, irrigation, brick and stone layers. Ranchers, farmers, painters, sheetrock, tape embedders, tile layers, carpet layers, septic construction, etc. Hell to the laborers at stone companies who cut stones with different saws in order to get their clients' dimensions correct. Polished stones, veneer stones, all stones, from saw, saw table to polishing racks to placing them on pallets and wrapping them once they are done, and cleaning up whatever mud and water needs to be cleaned up. Hell to the laborers whom help out crane operators. Hell to the laborers whom still mine for gold, silver, and iron. Hell to the laborers whom landscape and maintain yards for their clients. Hell to the laborers whom help out with our road construction. Hell to the laborers whom clean up every everyone else's messes. Hell to the laborers, whom must endure and adapt to the heat and humidity in which they work in and sweat to death in it. Hell to the laborers, who have to work on Labor Day, considering it was made in order and in honor of them by giving them a day off from working themselves to death physically, mentally, and psychologically. Hell to the laborers, who do most of the work that most of the world wouldn't be caught dead doing. Hell to the laborers whom without the workforce would crumble and so would supply and demand and the economy as well. Hell to the laborers who build and maintain solar panels and windmills. Hell to the laborers whom build and maintain oil derricks and work at oil refineries and offshore oil rigs as well. Give praise, salute, thought, and thanks to all laborers from all job fields this Labor Day, and not just celebrate it by grilling out without remembering its true meaning, besides just being a day off. 
That's the MP. Absolutely beautifully written, my dear. Thank you. So glad that you hung out and read a second piece. Do you want to do me a favor and tell everyone how to find you again? Yes. And maybe if you get lucky, I was going to do a joke. I could do a laborious poem for women, too. Then I can't <laughs> stop you. It'd be later on. No, I'm just saying. Remember what you said earlier? You were joking? Mm-hmm. Remember you said that it's going to be about labor, women mm-hmm. giving about labor? being in labor. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, being in labor. That's what I meant. Yeah. I, I would I'm love saying, to I could, see I could a do poem that. written as if Labor Day was really Labor Day, celebrating women okay. who have given birth. All right. <laughs> I can do that. Yeah, that would That's be That's a writing prompt. It's a challenge, yeah. Okay, yeah. that works for me. All right. Cool. All right, Eric. Great job, honey. Well, thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Thanks for uh, having the having the platform for everybody on here. And I enjoyed all the poets. And I'm glad I made y'all giggly and chuckly. Giddy <laughs> in my poem. That's the po- that's was the point of funny it. Funny as hell. <laughs> yeah, that's just, what the reason. And, and you know what? It's kind of funny is that it was it was that it was kind of that British humor type yeah. thing you know it's kind of that it was one of those things that you you don't realize is funny at first and then when it hits you when the the when when it hits you it hits you really hard it's like oh my right. god this is brilliant <laughs> <laughs> right it, you know, well thank that, you that so poem, much without oh, the right. title the poem wouldn't be as funny the title is right. what makes that poem that's how important the you know how what an important role a title can play in your poem. Just like when I was talking about changing the name of that poem to Red, you know, mm-hmm. was a much stronger title for this this epic poem that he wrote. Um, right. So yeah, yeah. The title the title is uh, that that piece is just too funny. So I'm <laughs> glad you read it as well. I liked it. I loved it. Well, thank you so much. And uh, I just I had a Real quick thought, uh, whenever I was doing it, I've read a lot. I post a lot of offensive stuff on Facebook. I don't know if you agree or disagree, but most of it's just funny. And uh, and now I have my own group, and it's called Come Be Offensive. But uh, anyways, <laughs> so I have read a whole lot of autocorrect text that went bad. <laughs> and so I just thought in my head, I was just like, hey, why don't I write an autocorrect Home and see if anybody gets it. So that's what I did. And I'll read my other autocorrect next time, next week. So, and this is, it's that, uh, just questions. So, but it's pretty funny. That would be funny. Oh. That would be great. I'm looking forward to hearing it. All right. Well, have a good night. And uh, thanks so much. And I'll see you next week. All right, Eric. Thank oh. you so much, Tweety. Hmm? You're welcome. I got to tell everybody how you can find me again, right? Yeah, please. Okay, sorry, I forgot. <laughs> uh, this, this is Eric Nelson Manley Shellman. You can find me on Facebook. It's Eric Nelson Manley Shellman. Find me on Facebook like page, Poet Eric Nelson Manley Shellman. You can find me on YouTube, Eric Nelson Manley Shellman. You can find me on Poem Hunter, Eric Nelson Manley Shellman. That's it. Well, have a great one. Perfect. All right, sweetheart. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Bye-bye, Eric. 
All right, let's go ahead and grab Mama back on. Right now, I don't have phone lines, guys. So um, we're going to see if we can get her back on. If you're trying to call in, keep trying. We've got about 16 minutes left in the show, but everything just went blank for me. I'm trying to get my audio files back up. All right, Mama, are you with us? Did you want to read another one? Okay, I have one here called My Last Magic Trick. I was thinking it would be different seeing familiarity breeds contrition. All I get from you is competition. You used to listen, now you're always contrite. At all costs, you wanted to be right, while I only wanted to be effective. We're getting nowhere fast. Me feeling more neglected when your wrongs became too strong. It was time for me to get gone. You complained and nitpicked. You were supposed to be my safe space, my safe world. Follow the trail of tears. There's a message to be found loud and clear if you had paid attention to the signs. Maybe you read the handwriting on the wall. Yet, you got the mess and missed the message. You pulled out all the tricks I knew, desperate to continue loving you. Even when the thrill was gone, I stayed and prayed. Yet, you made our bed with thorns, and I pulled out my magic wand and said, Abracadabra, horns be gone. I begged for your tender side. I was tired of the paper chase. Sex was more like a marital rape, and I needed that extra kiss and hug. There will be no makeup sex as you walk around the bedroom and flex. Since you only want to love yourself, I'm going to go somewhere else before I become a recluse. Reclusive. Your sense of humor is abusive. I felt there was no use tonight. There'll be no dinner waiting. No more anticipating just a note to say, you're not funny, you're just a joke. I'm tired of dangling on this rope. Life is too short, and I'm out of, I'm out like smoke. I made a conscious choice to leave. Needed room to breathe. Going elsewhere to seek my needs. Breaking the ties that bind. Searching to find my own mind. Because your wrong is too strong and your right is too light. Will ever be my plight? I'll take my chances elsewhere. I'll be finding my future without you. Abracadabra. I'm gone. That was my last magic trick. My mama all the day did all around Queens. You know, I, I love the title and I love the poem. But I would love to give you an assignment to push that a little bit further. I want you to write two more poems. And I want the I want the next one to be no, wait. This is my last magic trick. I want that to be the title. And the third one I want it to be no, really. Seriously, this is my last magic trick. I want you to write two more poems with those titles. Would you do that for me? I'll try, but Elvis already left the building. He got to go back to there and try it again. <laughs> oh, God. Okay. No, it can be a completely different poem, Just, but that has to be the title. It can be any okay. topic, any subject. So that one was your last magic trick. The next one needs to be, no, 
wait, this is my last magic trick. And the third one has to be, really, no, really, seriously, this is my last magic trick. And it can be anything you want. They don't even have to be related. But just just be something about a magic trick in your life. (laughs) I get veto. Only Sean's in there, and he's asleep, so it doesn't matter. The chat room's being bad tonight. Oh, God. Okay. That's my last magic trick. Okay, no, really, this is my last magic trick. All right, thank you. But as far as my magic, this particular guy, uh, Elvis has left the building. He's not coming back. That's too funny. All right, Mama, do me a favor, and please, please tell everyone how they can come with you. I'm on Poetry Soup. Um... That's where I just found this poem. And Poetry Soup has a lot of uh, poems of mine. Just hit Poetry Soup, Vicky Aqua. You can find a lot of my work. Allpoetry.com as well. And uh, Poetry Soup has me listed. They Like, who wrote a hedonistic poem? And they got my name under that. So if you want to read a hedonistic poem by Vicky Aqua, you can find it on Poetry Soup. So, yeah, I think that's where our uh, new stuff goes first. Awesome. Big Awesome, awesome. All right, Mama, I love you so much, my little darling poopski whoopski. My honey muffin. Oh, God. I'm going to write this stuff. Bye, Mama. Bye, baby. All right, I'm going to, he doesn't know this yet, but I'm going to go ahead and grab Stan again, see if we would like to read one more since I've got you three callers online. Stan, did you want to read another one to close out the show? Sure will. See, look at that, like the Everett, Ener, Everett Energizer Bunny, just always ready to go. Just boom, right there. Awesome. <laughs> you, well, you are a well-trained soldier. Love it. Thank you. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> I have poem we'll read. <laughs> exactly. And this is going to be a little different. Uh, I decided to do a parody of one of my favorite songs. On World Poetry Open Mic, Mr. J.T. Guntner ran several weeks of our broadcast where we were inundated by Weird Al Yankovic. And some of us poets got together and decided to throw some parodies back at him. And this was my contribution. Uh, The song, originally done and written by John Davenport and Eddie Cooley, and originally done by a fellow by the name of Little Willie John, who's a blues man. But I think you're going to recognize this song, and the title of the parody I'm doing is You Give Me Fever. Never thought I could feel so bad. Never thought you would be wise After one night spent with you Feeling like I could die You gave me fever You kissed me Chills went through me day and night Fever With no warning None of my insides feel right 
sun too bright for my eyes, drenched with sweat through the night. What the hell did you pass on? Didn't know I was dating a blight. You gave me fever. When you kissed me, chills went through me day and night. Fever with no warning. Now none of my insides feel right. Can't stop mouth or nose from flowing. No control over my back end. Believe I've got an addiction to my bathroom's porcelain. You gave me fever. When you kissed me, chills went through me day and night. Fever with no warning. Now none of my insides feel right. Why'd you do this to me, baby? Then just split the scene. Left me alone, all on my own. The CDC now has me quarantined because you gave me fever. When you kissed me, chills went through me day and night. Fever with no warning. Now none of my insides feel right in parody. <laughs> that was so awesome. Peggy Lee. Peggy Lee sang that song like it was butter. I know, and she actually added a couple of stanzas to it. She never took credit for it, but she added a few to it. One about Romeo and Juliet and Pocahontas. Mm-hmm. Those were never yep. part of the original one. She added them. And that Captain Smith and Pocahontas had a very mad affair. Yeah. But when her yep. daddy tried to kill him, she said, Daddy, Daddy, don't you dare. Yep. Mm-hmm. And then the, the way I did it, that slower version of it, that was actually the way Rita Coolidge covered it, where she stuck pretty much to the same lyrics as in the original. But, yeah, that's that's been one of my favorite songs for a while. I always thought that was a pretty cool song. So I thought, who better to destroy it than me? I think it was awesome. And who in the hell knew you could sing? Yeah, really. Shocked the hell out of me. (laughs) That was was really fun. When you started singing that, I knew the song. I knew the song because my daddy was a sax player uh, in blues bands. And Mm -hmm. uh, so I grew up listening to, and he loved big band. He loved 40s, soul, you know, all of that. I, I grew up with... You know, Bojangles and that old Black Magic and and wow. Fever and Peggy Lee and, you know, Sammy Davis, all, just all of that. Um, so, yeah, it, it was really cool. It was cool knowing this song. I think it was cooler even knowing the song and hearing that and hearing you sing that. That was just, it was a very spiritual thing for me. Thank you. <laughs> My pleasure and thank you. All right, Stan, do me a favor, my darling. Tell everybody how they can find you again. You can find me on Facebook at Stanley Phillips. You can find me at Nyla Elisa's Speakeasy Cafe on Thursdays, World Poetry Open Mic on Fridays. Uh, You can find me at the Inspiration Factory on Sundays. You can find me at 
Poetry in the Raw on Mondays and sometimes Tuesdays. Other than that, I'm in uh, the poetry group Outlaw Poetry. I have a group called Friends of Words with Wonder. Friends of Words, Wonder, and something like that. Uh, <laughs> and I'm also in two anthologies, the 2017 anthology from World Poetry Open Mic and the anthology from Outlaw Poetry, We're in Cahoots. Both are on Amazon. Awesome. All right, sweetheart, we will talk to you next week. Absolutely, and thank you for a lovely evening. Thank you, sweetheart. Appreciate it. All right, everyone, you have been listening to the Speakeasy Cafe Open Mic Poetry Show, The Sound of Ink. Real surprised we didn't hear from one sapien. Really missing him. If you guys think about it, drop him over a note. Uh, Let him know that we miss hearing from him. Make sure he's doing okay. Uh, We will see you here next week. Keep writing. Keep having fun. Keep planting those seeds of inspiration everywhere you go. And uh, I'm going to leave you with a track tonight. And I think the one I picked out, where is it? Um, love, yeah, Love After Marriage. We haven't heard that one in quite a while. It's Jeff Stumpo with Love After Marriage, and we will see you next week, you guys. Appreciate it. Thank you. Good night. If I ever go blind, my wife will build in the backyard a life-size model of a rhinoceros, detailed down to the pebbled skin and a mechanical swishing tail. She will produce a giraffe, complete with ladder and safety harness. She will include in our private zoo rabbits, Gila monsters, a pool full of rubber sharks and goldfish, all the dangerous and silent animals of the world I could never otherwise enjoy, and one live billy goat just to f*** with me. (laughs) If I ever lose my hearing, she will purchase 300 chinchillas, lay me down in a small dark room and play club music and Shostakovich as they scamper over my body. She will pour icy water over my head and back during the bassoons in the Nutcracker Suite. She will slap my stupid face if I ask for the Murder City Devils, and as for Gardel's tango, Por una Cabeza or Buena by Morphine, for some things there are no words. If I ever lose my sense of direction, it will be absolutely no different than now, and she'll still be the one holding the map on road trips. This is love after marriage. If she sends me to the store and has only written cereal on the grocery list, I know which one is her favorite and that she will invariably have wanted something different by the time I get home. (laughs) This is what it is to be psychic after marriage. Sometimes she tells me I am so damn hot. And that means sleeping on the couch because really, I'm so damn hot. This is the revocation of metaphor after marriage. (laughs) So keep your roses red, your violets blue, keep your angels singing, your stars shining, keep your poetry. You don't marry someone for their poetry. You marry them for showing you all the white space that remains, for being okay with never filling it all. Somewhere in the beauty of crossroads. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. 
More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.